Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, check Hello to all my people, and if you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Pots and Share Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content. If not, we'll sprinkle in our in. You know, so we still get over. I'm your host, the chef by trade and the mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and I'm glad to be here on this journey. And tonight, joining us is the Devon to my Bubba Ray. He is one half of the Rewind. He is one of the creative forces behind Mean Jelly Bean Productions. Get the tables! It's the Kennel Master. RN is back. Welcome back, man. How are you? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thanks for having me. I We definitely would have had problems if I wasn't on the Triple H episode. That's why I pretty much was like, hey, we need to... Uh, to get RN on this episode. Um, what's up, Katie? Uh, also joining me tonight is the man who comes with his own disclaimer, and that is the opinions of the yellow shoe guy are his and his alone and do not reflect those of Box Fox and Share Shots or the Rivet City Radio Podcast Network. Bobby Mack, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. You know, a lot of people were recording this on February 5th. A lot of people consider February 3rd the day the music died with Buddy Holly, the big bopper, and Richie Valens all tragically dying in that car crash. But Today is truly the anniversary of the day the music died, February 5th, 1988, when Hulk Hogan lost that first championship belt to Andre the Giant. I, uh, I'm i not even going to touch that. RN's not gone. I had to move him. I just realized RN was in the boss bitch's corner. <laughs> <laughs> RN is not, in fact, the boss bitch. <laughs> he thinks he is. Uh, and Facts. now that she is perched upon the Iron Throne in the Boss Bitch's Corner, she is the Beyonce to my Hovis, she is the Bonnie to my Clyde, she is the Boss Bitch, Miss Allison Siegel. Al, how the hell are you? I'm tired. It's been it's been a long weekend, weekend, but I'm good. Get tough. You're about to start your <laughs> real job. You go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> You've got a real job to do. Some of us have to work to pay the bills. <clears throat> By some of us, we mean you. That's what we mean. You have to work to pay the bills because I just sit around and play video games and talk about wrestling. <laughs> so, all three Living of you... Dream. All, <laughs> <laughs> all three of you have done this before. I start the show the same week, every time, with the same question. I'm going to start with RN tonight. RN, what has you pissed off for greatness this week in the world of professional wrestling? Booker T on my TV screen every week. And just the epitome of it on the pay-per-view Vengeance Day, like, he is the cooniest coon that ever did coon, and I stick by that. I got banned on Twitter for saying it, but I meant it. Like, he was literally gobbling fucking Roxanne's cock the entire time, but he shows no fucking respect for people of color in the business. And like I said, I'm a black person. I never understand any of that shit he's talking. No shucky, shucky, duck, duck, any of that shit. Real black people in real life do not talk like that. He's a black exploitation character. Brought to life. Bobby, be careful right, before you start talking. What? Uh, just be careful, please. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I did read a speech once with Martin Luther King, and it, it had something about Chucky Chucky. I, I think he left the ducky ducky part off. <laughs> <laughs> 
That wasn't as bad as I thought it was. It could have been be. worse. It could have been worse. <laughs> um, does that mean you're hyped about the rumors that are coming out now that McAfee is back? That uh, it looks like he might be going back to the behind the rolls production stuff, and they're going to be shuffling around the commentary table again. Man, I don't, I don't give a fuck who they put there, just as long as it's not Booker T. Like literally, I could care less. Like they could put a newborn child gurgling <laughs> in, the, in the booth. Like I do not care. Like I think, I think Booker T is overrated. I think he's terrible at commentary. Like I said, I never know what the hell he's saying. Like, if anybody can actually listen to a show through com, I wish we could just, like, isolate just the commentary. And please tell me any of us know what the fuck he's talking about. Like, and I'm supposed to, because he's a Hall of Famer and black, like, everybody looks at me like I'm bugging when I say this. But, like, just listen to his content. Like, he is not in any way for black wrestlers. You never know what the fuck he's talking about. And, like I said, he... Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Facts. Hit him with that in sync, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Hey, no, no blacker group that didn't sync. At least he didn't jump in the rumble this year. He was in the rumble this year. Was he, he in the rumble? This he year? was yes. in the rumble this year. I thought you were being sarcastic. <laughs> no, he was for like ninety seconds. He was in for he like. He came three in minutes. to the spinner Rooney. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah, I yeah. said, like shucking and jiving for you white folks, bro. Like even his. Even his main move is a shucking and jiving move. Like, get the fuck out of here. I blocked it out. I wish I could have. Bobby, what has you pissed um, off for greatness this week? I am pissed off that plastic surgeons will go to such lengths to, like, change people's faces, like referees' faces. And change them into another referee and make them evil and just follow up the million dollar man and everybody's got a price. It just drives me nuts. And that's what's got me pissed off. It's got me pissed off since 88 that <laughs> everybody's got a price for the million dollar man, including plastic, uh, plastic surgeons. Wow. You somehow managed to work that match into both my questions for you to open the night. <coughs> Is this going to be a theme for the rest of the day? Am I going to have to listen to you quote Hogan history for the rest of the night? Bobby, you never Bobby, know, brother. You just never know. You're lucky I love you, Bobby, because I fucking hate Hulk Hogan. So I'm I'm holding my breath on your Hogan love. Every, hey, every, listen, every person I, I, you like has to have a red flag, and yours is Hulk Hogan. I hate Booker T, so at least we're on that page. Facts. <laughs> now, what do you feel about women's wrestling? Right. Oh God, we're not going to touch that tonight. We're talking about Triple H, Bobby. Don't derail this. Allison, what has you pissed off for greatness in the world of pro wrestling? I'm not sure. I'm really pissed off about anything this week. Like honestly, like it was kind of a slow week. I mean, not a whole lot occurred. Um, I guess I could be pissed off that. They still haven't turned Jamie Hayter on uh, Brett Baker yet. That makes Don't. sense. Yeah. Like, I'm ready for that to be, like, I'm, like, you know. You can see, like, Toxic Attraction is about to turn on each other, which that was long overdue anyways, even before Mandy was gone. You know. I feel but is like, Mandy really gone? Yes. Just because she's giving away her site for free this month. Lord. I don't know. I feel like I love a tag team, but like at some point they do ha have an expiration. Like even I feel like the Usos, which we're seeing now, have an expiration date. So there we go. There's my pits off for greatness. 
keeping tag teams together longer than they should be together. You know, the Rock and Roll Express were celebrating 38 years together this year. I don't think that's kind of the same thing, though. <laughs> that's not what she's talking about here, my friend. All right. Um, I'll round it out. I'll make mine short and sweet. Uh, mine is adults who want to be petty over nothing. Um, I write about pro wrestling, good, bad, and indifferent. Sometimes what I write, like... I don't think about the fact that covering indie wrestling, sometimes those people are real people and I could hurt real people's feelings. Um, I wrote some not so nice things about a certain promoter's cousin. He got really upset about it. Uh, Friday night, I decided to bury the hatchet. Uh, I was going to be the bigger man. I took a really nice bottle of whiskey off my shelf. I took it to the show with me. I was going to hand it to him and be like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm not going to write about your show anymore. I didn't mean to hurt your boy's feelings. And instead of being a man and talking to me face to face, he snubbed me and walked by me and brushed his shoulder at me and did everything that men don't do. So that's cool. He's a bitch. I'm not. That's fine. Uh, so that's what has me pissed off for greatness is grown men who want to be bitches, Greg McDaniels. Did you get your bottle of whiskey back? Oh, it's oh, it's back on my shelf. Absolutely. Um, at, least, at least if he was smarter, he would have taken the whiskey. Right? right. That's what I said. At least take the whiskey, fake it, and take the whiskey. He didn't even do that for me. So, uh, yeah, that's what got me pissed off for greatness is petty independent promoters. Um, let's head up to news and rumors. Al, you got anything exciting in this slow week of the wrestling world? I have a few things. I do have one since we haven't done a show since Rumble. I do have something that I've been wanting to say since Rumble. Um, can we talk about that Natty has an entirely new face? She's been piecing it together for like the past three or four years. Like, yeah, the rest of her body. I almost right. didn't recognize her. She looks like a completely different person. Like, she got an obvious, like, reduction in her chest, which she clearly gave to Charlotte. Um, <laughs> but, like, her nose is different. Her jaw is different. Her cheeks are different. Like, she completely reconstructed her entire face. Brand new face, same old basic bitch. Yeah, she's trying to do the reverse uh, Chris Jenner. Um, she's uh, she's trying to become a man so uh, she can uh, keep keep her husband happy. Wow. <laughs> Katie said Shane had broke her nose. Yeah, Shane had broke her nose. She, you know, I I can see like tweaking the nose a little bit, but like she did more than the nose. Like she definitely like changed. Oh, she her Michael Jackson for sure. She definitely changed her jawline along with her nose. I broke my nose. Yeah, the jaw thing she's been working on, like, the past, like, it's been gradually, like, slimming down the past, like, year or so. Because she had a square jaw like a man, like her daddy. You guys want to hear a funny confession? Yes. And Bobby already knows this about me because me, him, and EB had this conversation way back when, when BotchBots and Sharebot Shots was me, me, him, and EB and not me, him, and Al. Um, but, but EB actually never appeared. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about who... Uh, it was a very Bobby conversation. I got asked who I thought the prettiest woman in WWE was. And in 2019, I told him that I had a thing for Natalia. I thought she was gorgeous. Do you remember that? Telling you because it was like, you were like, not Liv, not anybody else. I picked Natalia. I liked Natty. I thought she was cute. Yeah, I told you that you were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't let my hate for Natty do She was a good looking woman. You know, but I, I don't like her personality. But now 
Like I said, she just slowly is morphing into some. I don't. I don't even know something. I don't know what the fuck you call it. I mean, she still looks great. I just wish that, like, you know, don't change your face. Like, it's one thing, like, you know, when you break your nose to get it fixed. Like, obviously, you want to get it fixed, but like, don't change how you look. You looked great before. Like, she didn't look great before. I thought she did. She's beautiful. I mean, she's still beautiful. It's just she looks like a different person now. Now, for those of you watching on the Twitch, this young lady should probably change her face. (laughs) That is Brock Lesnar's actual daughter. Yeah. Bobby. Why would you say that? Yeah. No. She's grown now. That's old. Yeah. (laughs) She's a grown up now, and she still looks like BJ Jr. Be nice, (laughs) Bobby. Uh, (laughs) Arian said the same thing, and he didn't get a warning. (laughs) <laughs> we like him better than we like you. Barely. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, Matt Riddle is dating a whole ass porn star and wearing grills now. Apparently, I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I live vicariously through him. Right. Clearly, he really is a cool person. Like I've met him a couple times here at uh, Rockstar Pro. That the Chris brothers ran with uh, Sammy Callahan and everything, and was a pro wrestling revolver, I think. Yeah, he really is a cool dude. Like, and the, you know, when they say they turn it up a thousand, their character on TV, like the Stoner character, isn't too far off from how he actually is in real life. Yeah, like he he posted a picture, like he just jumped back on social media, I think, mm-hmm. like today or something. And people are giving him shit because, like, he's he, you know, made a post about like thanking his girlfriend for being with him through recovery and yada yada. And people are going after him because he didn't post a picture of himself with his kids. Instead, he posted a picture that with a picture with his porn star girlfriend instead of. But he did post a picture with his kids eating sushi like a week or two ago. (laughs) And uh, this is a a little glimpse behind the curtain. As somebody currently going through some custody stuff, might I'll leave it at that. Uh, you're, they tell you like, don't put that shit don't on social media. Kids, yeah. Like, there's yeah. like, it doesn't care what you do in your personal life, but they tell you like, don't post about the kids because the other attorney will pick it apart and try to rip everything to shreds about it. Like, they tell you to leave the kids out of it or leave yeah. the kids off your social mm-hmm. media when you're going through. And how much stuff. is your kids gonna have to do with your recovery while you're in rehab anyway? Yeah. Right. Like, let's be honest. Like, I mean, we all have kids. Like, what are... I love my kids, and like, but they haven't helped to my sobriety whatsoever. They've actually almost made me want to drink more, so... Uh, like, me, you know, the he's dating a whole ass poor star. I mean, again, I'm bot butts and chair shots. We don't yuck anybody's down. Like, do what you do, boo. Like, for your job, like, you're beautiful. Go be a porn star. I don't care. You know... And here's an open invitation to Jessa Rhodes. If you're listening to this, I am single and I'm willing to date you, at least for the research. Oh, Bobby. Facts. You're the best, Bobby. You're the best. Our end of- no, I, I just, I hope he's doing well with his recovery and that he's happy. Like, stop shitting on people. Really? Right. I mean, like, especially, like, if they're going through recovery, like, don't shit on somebody for that. Like, you can, you can not like their gimmick or, you know, not like things about them, but, like, don't shit on somebody going through recovery. And we forget all the shit this dude's really been in in the last three years. He got hit with the Me Too shit because de- his side piece was mad that he didn't want her anymore. 
Then he goes through a, a ridiculously terrible divorce with his 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 ex-wife or soon to be ex-wife dragging his name through the mud and shit, not letting him see his kids. Like he's had a lot of things that probably would would push a normal person. Then on top of that, their job that they're on the road 306 right. days a week. Like there there's no surprise why some of these guys end up being addicts and have to go through recovery and stuff like it's a fucked up situation all the way around. Yeah, I think everybody, I think because of the the people who have made headlines over the last few months, all of us have spent some time talking about substance abuse and mental health awareness and that kind of stuff because of what's happened um, recently in the news. And that's kind of the sad part about it is you're right. And that goes back to my pissed off for greatness. Like I said, sometimes I write things and I don't take into account that these are real people with real feelings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what I was saying. Like, I tried to apologize for it, and that guy wanted to be an asshole. But the point is, like, Matt Riddle is a real person. He might be, you know, not the the most savory, nicest person, but he's still a real person with real mental health issues. Right. Moving right along, Alex Riley will be wrestling against EC3 at NWA, enough said. Enough said. I'm curious to see what Billy Corgan's endgame is. And I know out of the three of us besides you, Al, uh, speaking for me, Bobby and RN, I know I'm the only one that I would I wouldn't even say actively watches NWA wrestling. I watch highlights on YouTube. I keep up with their news. I'm on their like the media list so I get like press releases and stuff, but like I rewatch NWA TV. You know, I I watch Power on like Fridays or something during the day while I'm sitting at my desk. It's not something I watch. They did just switch over to live uh the live show though. So we might see an but I digress. The point of the EC3 stuff is they're branding this alongside the create your narrative stuff. And I wonder if this is all a play from Billy to push this. I said it was a, uh, a failed publicity stunt by putting the 10 pounds of gold on Tyrus mm-hmm. because they're, he's overly conservative. He does the Fox news stuff. Now you put the control your narrative boys in the mix, which is already, you know, the guys who are known for kind of being far right. So uh, I'm curious to see what Billy Corgan's play is here when this is all said and done by booking these guys who have, at the very least, the easiest way to say is red flags attached to their names because of their political beliefs. We've got January 6th guys mixed in here, and I'm looking below me because the pair of yellow shoes that are on the screen, I know... uh, he stands with 45, but we're not going to go down that road tonight. No, I stand with 45 and 47. And so does, and so does Jericho, but nobody <laughs> knocks him for it, except for Fortnite. But no, I, knock him, I knock him for it. But that's my point, is I'm curious to see what Billy's endgame is by booking these guys that have these red flags attached to them. Do you um, know what his endgame is? His controversy sells. And like, <clears throat> pro wrestling is one of the only places where I don't hold your political beliefs against you because it's all make-believe anyway. Who knows if it's really true? So, like, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. Like, I understand what they're doing. I understand where he's coming from. And like Bobby said, like, the stuff with Trump and everything coming back up, him trying to run again. Like, he's he's trying to catch a, catch a little lightning in a bottle, maybe catch a little niche, you know what I'm saying, like, group of fans to come back in and kind of... And, like, when you own a TV show or any type of entertainment product, like, 
I'm sorry. Like, even even if it's nothing that I believe in or even if I'm totally against it, like, entertainment is entertainment. You got to do what you got to fucking do. So, like, and no, and there's no such thing as bad publicity in a, in a fucking company, in a fucking world of professional wrestling. So, like, I know exactly what he's doing. I get it. And con- controversy always sells. So whether you believe in their views or not, putting them in the forefront, like, makes us like, look, we're talking about them right now. Like, none of us watch fucking NWA, but we're talking about it. And so that means he's, the news. He, he's winning. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind. Bobby, do you yeah, think NWA... Or, sorry, go ahead. And then I'll ask you my question. No, go ahead, Dan. Uh, I was going to say, do you think NWA under the helm of Billy Corgan ever has a chance to be back in that top uh, two or three spot? I'm just going to go ahead and knock one out. Nobody ever takes it seriously. They'll never beat WWE at this point. But right. do you think they have the ability to move up and being one of the top two, three, four, five promotions in the country if they're not already in there? I don't think the NWA has been the same since like Dr. Dre left and went with uh, Death Row. <laughs> 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 um, no, you know, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think NWA is never gonna. It's never gonna be you know a, a top three, top four company. Like it, it's died. It's died. Like when mm-hmm. um, when ECW was born, the NWA was dead. And at that point, I even considered the NWA dead before that. But right. when when Shane when Shane threw the belt in the trash, Over. I think that yeah, that was the end of the promotion. Like it that ruined everything from you know Jack Briscoe to. You know, all the guys, you know, the, the fake lineage that they have back to 1902. Like, it's it was all thrown in the trash that night. So, um, it's never recovered. Um, you know, I don't care how many shows Flair goes back on or the Rock and Roll Express go back on. You know, it's it's beating a dead horse. Yeah, I, I, I feel bad that he tried. To, I think that was the wrong promotion to pick because, like you said, all those things that we have built up in our minds as wrestling fans will never forget. And you bought that promotion. So it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and then also too, like there is a chance. I mean, cause they're really, to me, they're not as far as aim ring quality goes and like production. They're not too far behind impact. It just hurts them that they're not on national TV somewhere. So like if they could pick up a couple decent free agents, like I know they're not going to pick up any like superstar main event, but like if they can pick up a couple mid car guys and kind of turn them into something main event, like they kind of did with, all this, like, there's a shot they could jump Impact because, like, to me, Impact, I think they just get number three by default because they have a TV show and a lot of – once that hat shit happened with Vince Fire and everybody, they picked up some WWE people that kind of got them some more publicity and stuff and everything. So, like, they're kind of there by default. But to me, that third spot's always open for the taking. Yeah, and I think I think Corgan would have done better to buy ROH. Like, if yeah, it was – literally. Yeah, and, it, you know, again – you. I know, you know, people, I know people associate, you know, sometimes I've got Cornette mentalities or whatever, but I thought Cornette was one of the best parts of that show is commentating. Well, like at least that linked you for, from the 1980s slash early nineties to today's product. Right. Um, and you know, the studio, I love studio wrestling. I think studio wrestling is amazing. Like the way they produce it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I, they made him a, with Cornette, whatever his joke was. It wasn't remember. even that bad. Like y'all know me, like I'm quick to call people out on some racist shit. Like I don't hold back. Like, yeah. We, we've heard worse stuff on wrestling before and on TV. Like, I think Cornette just was Cornette. And I think that they were just waiting. The internet and everybody was just waiting on an opportunity to fucking kind of shove it to him because he is who he is. And, like, again, like, I love you, Bobby. I love fucking Cornette, too. Like, I just do. Yeah, and the worst the worst part about it was Cornette said it. The show was taped. It was it was produced. It was put on air. They and set him was, up. I don't. Yeah when, the, yeah, when the backlash happened, then all of a sudden, yeah. oh, 
That's I don't care that's... what anybody says. I said that from the beginning. Like you knew that that was that that could be an issue or be problematic, especially at that time. The stuff we we're going through with like the George Floyd shit and all that stuff, and everybody was super sensitive about racial stuff in entertainment and on our TV. And like you, pro- you taped it, you produced it, you edited it, and then you put it on. Like come on, bro. Like to, I always thought that that was a setup job for him. Like I like, and I can't like everybody always shits on me for defending Cornette, but I'm like. I'm always going to defend the person that speaks his mind and goes the opposite way and doesn't follow the crowd. Like, and like I said, I've heard some way more racist shit on WWE and seen more racist shit on WWE national TV than what Courtney said. Yes, it was racially unsensitive, but I don't necessarily think it was racist. I just think that he got caught at a bad time to say some halfway racist shit. And like I said, being it that it was Jim Cornette. So like he already had two strikes against him. They were already waiting on a, a third to fucking take him out. I agree, hundred percent. Um, my next thing: the Usos are unlikely to fly to Canada for WWE Elimination Chamber. They Jimmy specifically still has his active DUI, and Jay, you know, is maybe not part of the bloodline, but he also, I believe, still has active DUI stuff. So, just like the last trip to Canada, they weren't allowed. Thoughts. Right. I, yeah, um, go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, I, you know, it's, I think whatever they're going to do next week on TV will lead up to the Elimination Chamber, probably them like not being able to be there or whatever else, or, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they're banned from it. Um, I've seen some of our broadcast friends, you know, putting out, you know, their stuff for it and what they think is going to happen. And, you know, it, it's up in the air. Like, you know, it's, is Sammy bigger than the tag team titles, which was the original, you know, intent? I think everybody thought was him and Owens going for the tag team belts at Mania. Um, now he's got this world championship match. Um, Owens had it last month. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they spin this. Um, because if Jimmy and Jay don't go, I don't think it would make sense for um, uh, Solo to go either. Like, it seems like it had to be an all or nothing of the bloodline not being able to go. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm not a billionaire that, you know, Pays out billions of dollars to sleep with women. Right. Fair enough. <clears throat> no, I don't believe that. I think Solo should go because, I mean, they pretty much been kind of sectioning him off as to being so, uh, Roman's like bodyguard slash, you know what I'm saying? Like hit man. So, like, I'd understand that more. And I mean, there's ways you could play it out. But, like, I mean, to me, like, all of this, like, I don't give a shit about the Usos in this storyline, honestly. Like, it's, it's supposed to be Sammy versus Roman. So, like, whether they're a part of it or not, like, I think. At this point, it's kind of irrelevant. Like we're getting the match we want, even though we know Sammy's probably going to lose. But that—that's the—that should should have been the blow off and the payoff is Roman versus Sammy. So like all the ancillary shit, like I mean, it can come or go as long as we're getting Sammy versus Roman. That's the only thing I really care about. Mr. Gray, did you want to say something? I know that Jimmy and Solo have been working dark matches as a tag team. So I think that's going to be an angle they're they're trying to work into TV. Hmm. Is uh, they worked a dark match tonight, and I think two nights ago on the WrestleMania house show tour they're doing right now. Uh, so I'm I'm thinking that will probably work into the TV storyline somehow. It'll be Jimmy and Solo. Uh, I'm curious to see with that being the case if they'll work in the Freebird rule. Because they did it once before, 
with Sammy when they couldn't finish the match and Sammy went in and was like, I'll do it. Scissor me, Daddy Jess. What's up, my friend? Um, they had to have Sammy sub in. Sammy subbed in, won the match. And uh, that was the night Sammy held the belts up and everybody was like, oh, shit. You know, like... Uh, so I think that we could see them trying to incorporate this into the bloodline and this starts to be the, like... What if Solo and Jimmy have chemistry issues and that starts to be a problem and that all facilitates more of a uh, an issue and, you know, the, the vitriol between Roman and Sammy because the more trouble Roman has, the more angry he'll be at Sammy for breaking up his bloodline. You see what I mean? And, uh, and I think that's a way for them to uh, split the belts up as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it'll be a way... Like, it all kind of bleeds together in that aspect, I guess. Yeah, like I say, give give one give one set of titles to Jimmy, give one set of titles to Jay, and Jay and Sammy go do their tag team thing, um, and then Jimmy and Solo do theirs. The only thing is, is what happens to Owens? Because he doesn't have Stone Cold this year. Mm-hmm. Well, as of three months ago, WWE's plan was to have Roman Reigns defeat Sammy in Montreal, at Elimination Chamber. That comes from Dave Meltzer, of course, who also says Sami Zayn's unexpected rise in popularity has caused some people inside WWE to think those plans should be changed. Triple H is not one of these people, however. So do you think that Roman should drop to Sami? No. I don't I don't see the company supporting Sami as the champion. Like no matter how much the fans like him, like Daniel Bryan was another one. Um, no matter how much the fans liked him and wanted him to go, he doesn't look good on Good Morning America or, um, I don't know, the late night shows, or Arsenio Jimmy Hall. Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel. Arsenio like, Hall? How the fuck old are you? <laughs> I, wa- I Listen, when the shows got bad, I stopped watching them. So Arsenio's show was usually pretty good for the last two seasons. I don't even know if I like you anymore, Bobby. Did you ever? <laughs> I love Bobby. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I just they're they're not gonna they're not gonna put a he's not gonna look good in a shirt and tie and they're not gonna put him out there. Um he's not gonna be in movies, he's not gonna get any of that stuff like Cena or Reigns or Stone Cold or Rock. So um but the thing know, about that is, Mr. Forty Five, he 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 can give us a different he speaks like twelve different languages and he's like Arabic and all that other shit. Like if they wanted to, they could position him mm-hmm. To kind of be set up to gather in a different, I guess, audience point or whatever. But, yeah. but like you said, they don't, and they want, and they never will. Like, and I think that that's kind of one of the things that maybe held him back a little bit was his heritage and all that other things, like being that, especially with the stuff with Ukraine and all that shit. Like, it's just like, it's a no-no for the American people a- as a whole. And I think that that's kind of what I think that's always what been what's kind of held him back. And if he shaved that beard down and went back down to his fucking, like, like not buzz couple, like a fade, like he is a good looking guy, but he just looks like Lieutenant Dan now. So, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> if he shaved that shit down, like you, there is something there that you work with. And there is something there that the crowd could get behind. But like I said, because of his heritage and everything, like I don't think he ever really stood a chance. And this just happened to be a happy coincidence, like the Daniel Bryan shit and like Kofi Mania. <laughs> It's just, it's like this meme I saw, I think it was yesterday, yeah. My favorite thing about wrestling is that the fans can pick a guy who looks like he's homeless and be like, that's definitely our guy. 
And like, right. it's this. Like, yeah. This picture of Sammy. That's Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. Sammy gives guys like me hope. Curly hair and a beard. Like, there's a little bit of hope now. You know? I just think that they dropped the ball being that he looks like a white, uh, a ginger white guy, but he's not. Right. Like, there's so many ways you could have presented him and, like, used, used his heritage to kind of prop him up and everything and, like, present him to a newer audience to bring in a newer audience. And, like I said, I just think that that's never going to happen. He's He may get a world. Once they split him up, he might get, a, like, a shot on Raw or something like that. Or maybe even on SmackDown now that uh, Roman's probably leaving after Mania. But, like... I just don't see the, him being like a focal point champion that they put the machine behind. I think the same thing, and I think the crowd would be mad because they would have to use him as a transition champion. Mm-hmm. He would get the belt, and then we would end up with another Kofi 15-minute squash match. Yeah. You know what I mean? 15-second squash match. And I think that's what would be terrible about it is Sammy by himself can carry a story. I don't think Sammy by himself can carry a company. Right. And those are two very different things. So I think short-term wise, Sammy could probably be a great champion in the interim. Sammy's not going to have a thousand day reign like Roman has. Not that you have to though. Not everybody has to be Bruno San Martino. Yeah. He's, I think Sammy's turning into like the Jake, the snake Roberts, you know, thing like, he doesn't need the belt. He doesn't need a belt. He can tell a good story. He can feed the guys, you know, the next person to go to the champion. Like, you know, he, he can set them up, make sure they're ring ready, and then, um, you know, just, just be a good player. Right. Victim of his own success. Yep. Cool. Um, according to CNBC, Vince McMahon's potential future involvement with WWE is a sticking point with multiple buyers in early negotiations for a sale of the company. So, Nick what, saying Con- they want him, saying they want him, or no, they don't want. They don't, him. don't want him. Yeah, why the hell would they? Um, Nick, yeah, so- Nick Khan thinks that Nick Khan has made made a statement the other day that basically said like once the sale is done, like Vince will be out. Vince will be done. He's only there to like facilitate the sale and make sure that they get the best, that they're at the best value. Right. And the TV deals. That was the whole point of the two people he put back on the board were they were the last people that negotiated the Fox deal and the (laughs) Peacock deal, and they got all of these incredibly great streaming services and TV deals that were huge and profitable for the, uh, the company. So he brought those two people back that were very, like, vocal in that process so i said at the beginning i didn't think he was going to take over creative there were points in the last few weeks uh like the re-emergence of uh eliminator uh the the title eliminator whatever where like the person wrestles the champion for a shot at the championship that 50 50 booking bullshit is back and uh that that's reeks of vince mcmahon uh, there were points in the Rumble that smelled like Vincent Kennedy McMahon to me, too. And the pitch black match was one of them. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he did teach Triple H. You know what I mean? So, like, it's, you are, I'm sure, going to see some Vince-isms and the things that Triple H does. Just because, like, I mean... Did, did you say Vince-isms? I did. Yeah. <laughs> 
and on the main roster too, you got a lot of different sponsors and shit you're responsible for than you were when you have full sell at NXT. So like, <clears throat> I knew Triple H was gonna have to make some compromise. <clears throat> Excuse me. I knew he was gonna have to make some compromises, which I think that's what that Mountain Dew match was. Yes. Was one of his recessions that he has to because now he's got the big boy pants on. So a one point two million dollar compromise. Yeah, but Nick Khan Nick Khan did say in that same interview that if if it was about the sale, that Vince would step away um if it was an intimate sale, like and and that was the deciding factor. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in that same thing though. He also said that Universal and Comcast are pretty much out of the deal. Don't want anything to do with it. Disney, uh, Eisner said in December, I think it was, that they don't want to do another major acquisition uh, since their Fox deal. So this $3 billion deal, $7 billion deal for WWE, feels like it would be a major acquisition. So you've got Disney and Universal now out um, pretty much for this deal. Um, And when you talk about these sponsor matches, uh, from what I understand, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the next sponsor of a match, a pay-per-view. And that's that's not me joking. Don't tempt me with a good time. That's my favorite cereal. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, a Cinnamon Toast Crunch, like, pirate-themed match for NXT? Uh, the NXT, not the takeovers. What do they call them at WrestleMania weekend? Uh, stand and Deliver. Like when they do stand to deliver WrestleMania weekend, imagine doing like a pirate themed like cinnamon co- toast crunch match. Why would it be pirate themed? I'm thinking more of like an inferno match with Kane. Is that uh, cinnamon toast crunch a pirate thing? No. no, that's Captain Crunch, bro. No, of course it's Captain Crunch, but I thought cinnamon you toast crunch eat had some cinnamon toast crunch. Like that's your cereal. Apparently, somebody <laughs> poured the cinnamon toast crunch for him, and he never looks at the box. Somebody keep talking now. I'm gonna look up the box or cinnamon crunch. Literally yeah, so, a bowl of cinnamon. Yeah, so make it so make it an inferno match. So you get toasted, or yeah, I get toasted, or, or or it could be Will 420. Um, and then you um you crunch them down. I guess maybe in a trash compactor like Kane did. And then once you do that, then you throw some cinnamon on them. Or maybe they just no, you just gotta... each other with cinnamon sticks. Huh. We gotta eat, all have a mouthful of cinnamon. See how long they can go without spitting it out. <laughs> Dude, totally I did right. that. There's nothing. There's nothing to do with pirates on this. There's no. no character. Did you know they make cinnamon toast crunch, creamy cinnamon peanut butter spread? Yes. Yes. Could you imagine making peanut butter cookies with that shit? Like how fucking good that would be. And we would Come like on. to thank our sponsor, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. No free shout outs. Yeah. C2C. If, if, if you're if you're out there, we uh we will not be offended by money. There's coffee creamer. There's um, we made those cinnamon toast crunch coffee cakes. Like there's and you can buy like the cinnamon toast crunch like cinnamon sugar. Yeah, but they and don't have a character to talk. see with them, huh? Next week on cereal talk. All right, hurry and wrap this up so I can get a bowl before I go to bed, man. <laughs> will Will wrong kind of bowl? <laughs> it's 2023, man. I'm living in the future. Next one, Al. ROH Talent have been told that Ring of Honor will begin taping their weekly show during the final week of February. The tapings will take place in Orlando and will likely kick off the bill for Super Card of Honor. Bobby, you gonna go? Um, If it's free, yeah. I think it'd be totally worth the price. Um, <laughs> but if it, if they, 
they charge me a dollar, then no. Um, yeah, I, I would I would go check them out. I, you know, if, if it's if it's a fifteen dollar card, I would go. Um, you know, but not much more because um, I did just discover Gangrel apparently does a show once a month here in Orlando, uh, right down the street from me. So Coastal Championship Wrestling, the Violent Gentleman, Miles Blackwell, Bryce Maddox. Yeah, all that. <laughs> questions about I've got some questions to ask Maddox. I listen to a and watch a lot of independent wrestling. Sorry, I know exactly what you're talking about because he's one of the head trainers at Coastal Championship Wrestling now. Yeah, my 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 stuff has more about turning the pages, but yeah. I I just don't have any faith in Tony Khan and Ring of Honor, like the four thousand belts they got on TV and stuff and everything. Like it's. And letting Gresham and a couple guys that really like held the banner for Ring of Honor the last couple of years and their treatment of Jay Lethal, like I just don't have much faith in them. Yeah. Some of the guys, the way their contract wordings are set up too, is a little bit worrisome for me, is because like Bandito is signed to an AEW contract, but Khan, Brian Cage, and the other dude in the Ring of Honor six man titles are signed to Ring of Honor contracts. The Briscoes are another example of that. Mark Briscoe and Jay Briscoe, RIP, miss you, big dog, I love you. Um, he and Mark were both signed to Ring of Honor contracts, not AEW contracts. So how many of these established Ring of Honor guys that we've been seeing on regular TV, like, and I know it's easy for Tony Khan just to change the wording of the contract and move them back to Ring of Honor, but is that going to disturb the status quo of everything he's doing in AEW if he tries to move all of these guys back all of a sudden just to accommodate a new show? Well, does this not remind you of WCW acquire or I'm sorry, WWF acquiring WCW? Like you acquire this brand, you bring in their belts, and the first thing you do is you make your guy a champion. Like The Rock was the WCW champion, the the Hardy Boys were the WCW tag team champions. Like it was they bas like Chris Jericho winning that title to me it it said okay I don't have any faith in you ROH guys um, so here you go here's here's our here's our top dog and he let's give him a let's give him a belt that he's never had yeah that's how the Dudley Boys got the WCW titles <laughs> boys the Hardys I don't know I don't know if Edge and Christian ended up winning them or not but yeah it was and then they can all oh yeah we were WCW champs and WWF champs and ECW champs and blah blah blah. I just don't think Tony had any. I don't think I don't think he believed in the ROH product, and that's why he did that. And it's a shame, you know. You talk about Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal has been used improperly since he got to AEW. Like they they put him in there. I think he had like his first match, like he lost. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. It's it. They do like reverse booking in AEW. Like they they give you like the win usually except for in Jay Lethal's case. And then all of a sudden you start losing and then you just grow off TV and then you come back. Like the best thing Jay's done since he's been there, Jay Lethal is this last match with Briscoe and hell, he was crying during the match. The match was beautiful. That was, a it was a great. Match. Oh, it was a great match. And I'm not, and I'm, I, I can't say I'm not a Briscoe fan, the Briscoe brothers fan, but I've never really spent any time watching their stuff. I've only seen some of their interviews, and I'm just like, I don't know about this. But um, that match made me want to go and actually start watching Briscoe matches. And, you know, unfortunately, it's way too late if I actually do like the product. They're fucking dope. Like, I think that their appearance and 
the ridiculous backlash from some shit that happened a decade ago kind of threw like a stain on their name. But like them, them two and Jay Lethal are Ring of Honor. Like mm-hmm. I know, I mean the Daniel Bryan's and all that shit and CM Punk. I get it, but modern Ring of Honor that brought them to the new like wrestling era and to newer fans is the Briscoes and Jay Lethal. I feel like I... Lethal gets shit on a lot. Like, all these people are like, blah, blah, blah. I don't like Jay Lethal. Like, dude, Lethal is like, he's the tits, man. Like, I've seen him work several times, like, outside of AEW. And, like, he's just amazing. And they don't give him enough. No, people don't give him enough credit for how amazing he is in the ring. Like, he did, you know, he was in the Flair match. He was in the Ricky the Dragon match. Like, it takes a lot to help get, like, these, you know, as Aaron eloquently puts it, it takes a lot to get these old fucks over, <laughs> you know? And, like, he does an amazing job doing it. Well, not Lethal's even that, like, a, oh, go ahead. No, I was saying, Lethal's a great worker, and he's one of these guys that can do the high spots and make them make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally agree with that. Um, I Wasn't the acclaim, I think, that said in their rap, though, that you kind of, like, have to, like, think about is uh, your tag team in, with Jay Lethal who was the most popular guy in ROH when ROH was at its lowest. Yeah, but a lot of that is, too. Like, I don't think that they got enough credit. That they should have brought the foundation in as is intact. Like, they fucked up not doing that, bringing it into AEW. Like, Gresham not being signed there is literally a fucking travesty because now he's losing a fucking, uh, what's his name, from the American Wolves on, on Impact at their last pay-per-view and shit. Like, it's just like... They dropped the ball on so much Ring of Honor stuff. Like, that's why I have no fucking, like, I have no, like, inkling of respect for what Khan can do with Ring of Honor. I think it was just another toy that he bought to play with, and I don't think it's going to be. It's going to be like when WWE bought, brought back ECW. That's how I see it. Yeah, and, w, and WCW the same. Like, they brought him back, and then you expected Mark Jindrak and uh, Sean O'Hare to be the main event guys during the invasion angle, and it, it didn't make any sense when you had no. Flair and... Yeah, you spend you spend a couple more dollars and you get, you know, the NWO original guys back or you get Flair back or, you know, even a Luger at that point. But they, for whatever reason, all this money he's got, he decided not to not to do it and just interject his own people in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Cole Cabana, take him or leave him, like he's not going to be able to carry the ROH name. And he, he got cheered because they all hated punk. Right. That's literally uh- it. I'm going to chime in one thing, uh, and then, Al, how many you got left? Just one. One more? Um, my two senses, Bobby, you said Lethal was the most over in Ring of Honor when they were at their lowest. Uh, I'm going to make this comparison. I'm not saying Lethal is anything like this person, but look at Shawn Michaels that way. Michael's first title run with WWE, they were getting beaten in the ratings by everything. When they put the belt on him, WWE didn't get the screaming like over with the crowd blow up they thought they were gonna get michael's first title run was super shaky you know what i mean um so you you could look at it like that i'm not at all saying wwe and ring of honor are the same but i mean kind of look at it like that michael's didn't do super well at that point as a champion on a low side of a company's history right and to me Shawn michaels was best after his comeback um kevin nash was best during the nwo they both had really low, you know, ratings for WWE. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't consider Shawn Michaels or Kevin Nash, um, you know, really 
great champions. Uh, you know, Bret Hart, you know, I know you guys are going to hate it. Bret Hart's part of that same conversation, you know, but, yeah. but you also got to look at, you got to look at who, like who, um, what are those things called? Book, book shelves or book, uh, book in book ends. Yeah. Look, look, look who bookended <laughs> them. You got Hogan on one side and you've got rock and Austin on the other side of these guys in the middle, you know, like the, the bookends just weren't fair. The the middle the middle chapter the middle books just are going to get ignored. Yeah, then couldn't agree more. My last one is that um, NXT may get to work outside of WWE with indie promotions, but only certain ones. Um, they right now they will be exclusively working with Booker T's reality of wrestling. Shucky shucky. I mean, this despite throwing in that last part and ruining your whole story, but uh, <clears throat> I don't I don't mind it. Like I mean, because them they, as much as we hate to admit it, like these guys being on the road with veterans. I mean, driving these guys around where they got drunk and did pills and shit. Like as bad as all that might sound, like that is what made some of these guys, the stars that they were, were being able to go from town to town and be fresh and be new and pick a veteran's brain in a car for four hours in between towns. Like, the best experience is experience, but sometimes, too, it's also learning from your peers. And I think when having a bunch of football players and fucking cheerleaders and shit with a couple little coaches, like, I don't think that they could get what they could. I don't get that. I don't think they're getting what they actually deserve to be to become wrestlers. So, like, I'm all for them branching out and being able to do independent shows and stuff. And I hope that they let some of their guys that never wrestled before branch out and do these other shows mm-hmm. and give them a kind of a taste of earning their dues. Cause like you do have to earn your dues and you do figure that out being in those crowds of 10 and 50 and working your way up to a giant crowd for WWE. Like I said, like I, I, I think that that was a big part of why wrestling took that downturn is that we didn't have those veterans kind of passing the torch along to the young guys. It was just kind of like they were all gone and it was just a bunch of young guys that we had never heard of before trying to take over a business that just lost the two biggest stars maybe in the history of wrestling. So, like, I feel like that is something that is missing in wrestling today, not just in WWE, but in the end of some of the independents and shit, too, like, and, and especially AEW. Yeah, 100%. Like, if, if I had a chance to pick John Cena's mind or to pick, let's say, Ricky Morton's mind, I would pick Ricky Morton's mind a hundred percent of the time because I'd want, I want to know what it's like. Like, you know, tell me the stories of the NWA. Tell me the stories of getting spat at, or, you know, actually, you know, riots happening or, you know, mm-hmm. why the fans cheered for you, you know, just by you raising your hand and dropping it two times. And then, you know, like that, you know, that encompasses what pro wrestling was, what sports entertainment could be. So yeah, I'm all for it. I also think that this opens a door to the WWE network slash Peacock of, putting some of these independent shows on the network and get the indie guys over plus get their own guys over. Yeah. And it also puts some of those indie guys on a different platform. Cause you know, there's going to be WWE guys there to look after their guys that are there. So somebody could see somebody and pass some information along to Regal or could be somebody that one of their guys are watching. They see a tape. So like, I think it's good for the business overall that they're letting them branch out. Cause it helps the indies guys might, might get a chance in, to come to WWE and get a get a contract or at least a workout, and unless these guys get seasoned a little bit, that's whether they're not just thrown on fucking national TV in front of the world, we get to see all their flaws. Yep. 
Do y'all think that the indie scene is like how the indie scene is, I guess, like, or pe- you know, that people are only give, you know, going to, like, there are crowds of only like 10 to 15 people or 50 people, 100 people at max. Do you think, like, because these independent promotions can't draw, it's why WWE doesn't go to them anymore for no, talent? But they've always. They've always been like that. Like people trying to pretend like that's not the case, but that's that's what indie wrestling is. Like it's always been those shows from like ten to two hundred people. Like, and I go to shows all the time. Like I've seen uh, Wesley, um, the Rascals, uh, what's his name, Big D, and and uh, Impact. Like I've seen all these guys at this local promotion. At at well, it was uh, <laughs> at Pro Wrestling Revolver and Rockstar Wrestling. Like that's where all those guys came from. That moved up. To impact, like I've seen them wrestle numerous times, and literally it's no more than crowds of a hundred. And then they went from here there to wrestling on impact. So you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's always independent shows have always been that way. It just depends on territory, the what exactly is hot in wrestling, and who you can get come, and like who do you know? Like with anything, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. Yeah. No, I'll I'll I'm gonna disagree with Arian on that one because I'd say NWA Smoky Mountain, um, CWA before that in not in uh um tennessee like we did have crowds of like three or four hundred people um you know like yeah yeah i remember one time we did we did a show in elizabethan tennessee where three people showed up so i'm not gonna say every show was a winner but you know a lot of times we did have you know three or four hundred people without booking any major former wwe talents or you know big name you know people like ricky morton was legitimately part of the roster so he was there like almost every week so he yeah, wasn't but- a Action. But that was part of the biggest time in wrestling. Like that's why I don't I don't necessarily count those times because wrestling was at an all time high throughout the business. So like yeah, you twelve. Yeah, well I guess yeah. Yeah, like it was two thousand twelve, two thousand you know fifteen, sixteen. Like I wasn't I wasn't Jim Cornette Smoky Mountain. I was another Smoky Mountain. So um, Jim Cornette Smoky Mountain's like, like, like ninety two, ninety three, ninety four. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then in the- <coughs> oh, NWA All-Star, like, I was in front of my biggest crowd, which was just a little bit over 2,000 people. Like, it was it was a huge crowd. Um, and, again, NWA All-Star, uh, Easy Money from ECW was there. Jimmy Valiant, the Boogie Woogie Man, was there. Um, yeah, yeah. There really wasn't there really wasn't a huge a huge drawing name to it. It was just we spot showed around, you know, Virginia and uh, West Virginia, Tennessee. So, I don't know. Like, I guess so if, if indies aren't drawing more than 15 people – and I look at any card, and there's 10 matches, so that means there's 20 guys, uh, potentially 30 or 40, depending on how many tag teams there are. If there's only 15 people in the crowd, your family doesn't even love you enough to come watch you. Facts. So why would anybody else come pay the ticket? Facts. Yeah. So yeah. So so you know, I and I haven't been to any. I haven't been to an indie show, and in, I don't remember the last time I went to Impact a couple years ago. So I guess maybe that counts. No. Um, but wow. Well, depend. Well, since four of the guys I worked with at NWA Smoky Mountain were on the Impact show, it was kind of an indie show for me. Um, so, yeah. So, it, I don't know. Like, I, I'd love to go see some more indie shows. Like, I, I am going to commit to going and seeing this great Gangrel thing um, because I'm pretty sure Gangrel's not the draw. You know, John Cena would be, or you know, another the big name would be um, at a show. But you know, it's I, to me, it's going to be interesting. I want to get back into it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you can only. Listen, I got hit by a cane with a woman that said that had a hat that said 
Jesus, um, Jesus saves or love Jesus or whatever else. Mm -hmm. or, like, so yeah, indie shows definitely have a different vibe. Um, you know, so I'm interested to see what it's like. And I think it, it's only going to help the WWE guys because, you know, they perform, they perform now in a performance center with bought fans, which are basically college kids that are there filming and learning. And they're, you know, signed just like you're going to the night show, cheer, boo, whatever. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's going to challenge them to really get over. I think so. Opinions, Mr. Gray? I don't think the indies are ever a bad idea for any big promotion. I think if you're in a rookie contract with AEW, Impact, WWE, <clears throat> hell, even NWA, if you're in a rookie contract, you should be required to work a certain number of indie dates to get experience. It's yeah. like, think of it like Major League Baseball. Like, wrestling takes a really long time to get good at it. So some of these people need to go to the indies and work the indies for two or three years and get some reps under their belt and get experience and get the exposure. You know what I mean? Take the bad bumps in front of 25 people crowd so you don't hurt your image so when you're in front of a crowd of 20,000 people and you botch, you know what I mean? That's not the first thing they're going to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people are getting rushed on TV, and I think the indies, even if it is Booker T's school, you know what I mean? AEW uses the Nightmare Factory for the same reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, use them as an indie, a farm system. Go ahead, Bobby. No, I'm saying Arn Anderson said, you know, he says the same thing. You've got to condition your body and build those calluses. Like, that's why the guys get hurt so much now is because they don't have calluses on their body. They're not used to that far wreck every single night you know, slamming themselves down. Like, so, yeah, and you know what? If you have to do it every night, not just once a week, then I guarantee you, guys in AEW that jump off buildings and flip and do all this other stuff, they're not going to do that anymore because they're going to realize there's a longevity that has to, be, like, build up. Right. And that's why guys like Cena, like Hogan, you know, Rock, Stone Cold, yeah, they, you know what? They wrestled a different pace than, you know, the Buckaroos and all the other people, um, Omaga, all them different but you know what their longevity in the sport um this business it it says something well that's it for news and rumors right yep are we not going to talk about La lanny poffo oh well yes I, I feel like we need to um the genius he passed was it yesterday was when it happened Maybe, I think Friday. Friday? Yeah. Okay, I knew it was in the last 48 hours. Um, I don't want to pass on this without giving uh, Lanny his due. Um, I wrote for the day job about how the Pafos for a long time were the thorn in the side of the NWA. Uh, they were the, you know, at that point for a while, they were kind of the quintessential outlaw show. The Pafos were known for showing up at... Uh, the Jarrett's and the Lawlers in Nashville and the Memphis area and leaving tickets and uh, flyers for their shows at Lawler and Jarrett shows. Uh, these are some of the stories we hear about people like Lawler saying he felt like he needed to have a gun with him when he would leave the shows <laughs> because the Pothos were crazy. They were notorious for being crazy in the business. But when you look at the core of who Lanny and Randy Poffo were as people, uh, as young children, 
like in high school, they were big athletic boys. Randy played professional baseball. Lanny, you know, played baseball and was a football player. They were the big jocks, but they would like, they had like the Poffo Protection Agency in their high school where they would walk with like the skinnier, more nerdy guys to make sure they made it from class so they weren't getting bullied and stuff. So uh, the irony of the this outlaw family and this outlaw promotion of pro wrestling really being just a group of like kind-hearted guys is the some of the best things you can say about him. I know Randy had some stuff in his life. Lanny fought his demons throughout. But uh, as far as I know, Lanny retired and moved off to Argentina and lived his days off on like a farm, like living his best life. So uh, <laughs> it's always sad when somebody passes, but Lanny Poffo is one of those guys, uh, the genius, uh, the Poffo family, they kind of always have a special place in wrestling history. So right. uh, Bobby, RN, what you guys got to say about the genius? Uh, like you said, I mean, the the main thing I liked is that I loved how he protected uh, Macho Man's legacy after he died. Like, he didn't let them just, like, completely exploit his brother's name or whatever. Like, he was really protective over the projects that he allowed them to do, like, and how good he spoke about him. And, like, he made sure, like, even if people were critical of him, like, he made sure it wasn't anything too crazy about it. Like, that was the main thing I took away from him is, like, he protected his family's legacy when he was by in no way, shape, or form anywhere close to either one of their le- his father or his brother's legacy, but I think that he took it and ran with it and protected it really well, and I always appreciate that. Like you know, what I'm saying I love protecting your family's name. Yeah, and the the family was known to be like really cheap and like miser uh, misers. Um, mm-hmm. You know that the dad though. You know, some people don't realize uh, like when Randy bought the gorgeous George gimmick. The reason why he bought that gimmick from that family was. Gorgeous George, the wrestler from the 1950s, actually talked Randy and um, Lanny's dad into staying in wrestling because mm-hmm. he wanted to drop out. And this, you know, Gorgeous George took him aside and said, you know, listen, you can make a lot of money in this. And he did. And when Gorgeous George died, you know, he was he was drunk and penniless. And um, the Poffo family actually paid for his funeral and his burial. Um, Lanny Poffo always protected his brother, always protected his father. Um same time they always protected him like lanny was under a wcw contract for four years and never appeared on tv and how that ties back to the gorgeous george story is savage randy savage had his brother lanny have his dye his hair blonde and stay in shape for that entire four years and would call him continuously are you in shape are you ready are you ready they could call you anytime and never did and savage took less money so lanny could have a spot so for four years, Lanny just sat there, got paid to work out and potentially get a phone call. That never happened. Um, he's one of those guys, one of the few guys during that era that has a win over Hogan on Saturday night's main event. Now, granted, yes, I know it was a count out. Mr. Perfect was there. He interfered, everything. But Hogan did the honors for Lanny Poffo. And that's why Lanny chose him to induct his brother into the hall of fame because he felt, he felt a connection to him. Like he would not write the lyrics, um, the diss rap that Randy Savage did to Hulk Hogan because of his dedication to Hogan. Mm-hmm. Cause it was only for a couple months that he was the genius, but those couple months he always said were the best months that he ever wrestled in his life. So, um, you know, rest in peace, Lanny. I actually had a personal connection with him, uh, with Rocky top wrestling out of Tennessee, uh, I sent him a T-shirt. I said, hey, 
Will you take a picture in this T-shirt? I'll send it back to you. The picture, I'll get it blown up eight by tens. You autograph them. I'm going to give you $10 an autograph. I'm going to sell them for 20 bucks. I'm totally going to be honest with you. He said, listen, that's cool. He's like, whatever money you send me, then I'm going to dedicate to so-and-so charities in uh, my brother's name. Um, and that was when his brother was still alive, actually. So Lanny Poffo, just just an all-around great guy. Um, mm-hmm. And even though I never met him personally, at least I got to talk to him and interface with him uh, through computer and phone. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's a loss. It's a loss for uh, pro wrestling and not just pro wrestling, but, you know, anybody that he ever encountered. Agreed. So uh, it's hard to segue from something sad like that into something not sad, but I'm going to do my best because we're bringing up RN's favorite wrestler. The GOAT, as far as RN is concerned. Tonight is part one of what is going to be a three-part series we're going to do over the next three Sundays. Tonight we're going to dissect the career of one Triple H. Uh, Triple H. Paul Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He's, you know, oh, oh, okay. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Uh, Paul next, Levesque. Paul Levesque. Next week we will be breaking down the career of my personal favorite wrestler, one Mick Foley. And oh, then, Noel. Noel's dad. Noel's dad. And then the following week after that, we will be putting the part three out, which will be their 2000 feud going from Royal Rumble to the Hell in a Cell match to WrestleMania, kind of dissecting how that feud helped both careers where they were at at that point. But tonight, specifically, we're talking about Triple H, the game, the cerebral assassin. You know, we, we've we seen him be so many people. Um, Arian, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what is your initial thoughts on Triple H, the wrestler, when I say the name? who? What do you think of initially? I think that if he hadn't never married Stephanie, like people would take his career more serious, and I think that he'd get more flowers than what he gets now. Because like, even though he never really was, and this is me, his biggest fan, Sanders, like he, I know he never was the guy, but he always was the guy that made the guy look good. From Austin to Rock to whoever, those feuds were him making them look good and propping them up. And not to mention his, just his mind for wrestling. Like I like I've loved him since I was probably like seven years old. Like the slot match with fucking Henry Ogawa was when I was like, man, this pretty motherfucker's tough as shit. <laughs> and I've literally been following him ever since. And like I said, it's like I said, I think the Stephanie shit like literally put a, a cloud over his career and he'll never get the respect that he deserves as a wrestler. He'll get his flowers for being a creative person and like with the NXT stuff and whatever comes from this run with the main roster now. But he's the GOAT in my, my eyes, like, and no one can tell me different. Bobby Mack, what you got on Paul Levesque? Oh, man. You know, it, he kind of reminds me of like Napoleon uh, Bonaparte, like just this, you know, French aristocrat that just was a terror rising across the professional wrestling world. Um, That's clever. Huh. Thank you. Talk, um, talk, Bobby. Yeah, uh, you know he he's got he's got a lot behind him. You know he was never you know the drinker. He was never the partier. He was the Ric Flair fan. I think even more than what Shawn Michaels was. Another you know there's a famous photo of Shawn imitating Flair from uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I think Hunter worked the good Flair gimmick. Um, 
he was the flair that didn't go out and party and drink and sleep with all the women um, and all that kind of stuff. In fact, I don't even know if he likes women because of China. Um, so, <laughs> don't speak ill. That, that would have just made him buy. Relax. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, you know, the French accent, and, you know, he was able to take that gimmick, you know, because terrorizing was terrible. It was actually a terrible gimmick. Killer Kowalski is, you know, I know he's a legend because he was in the sport for so long, but really, have you ever watched a Kowalski match? Anybody? No, exactly. Uh, Kowalski, Kowalski was just a the guy there. You know, he, he had a he had a he had a vicious name. Um, so, uh, you know, Paul Levesque, what he did, like when he went from WCW, you know, for that one year that he was there, and went to WWE, um, WWF, he took a terrible gimmick. He took a terrible situation with the curtain call, and I don't know if it's thanks to Shawn Michaels or it's thanks to Vince McMahon that allowed him the freedom to be able to talk about what he wants to do. Because at his level, he should have never been able to talk to Vince McMahon and do stuff that he wanted to do and that he did. And he not only opened the door for himself and a lot of other guys, he kicked that door down. And whether I like him or don't like him, and I I do, I I accept him and I appreciate him and I, I I like him enough to know that if there wasn't an Austin, if there wasn't a Rock, that he would have been the guy. Yep. Uh, unfortunately for him, he came up in the only error era to have the two top guys in the same promotion. Like it wasn't like Hogan and Flair, NWA, WWF. This was the same promotion, and, and arguably was- the top two guys in the history of our business too. Not just the era that they were in, like. Arguably the two greatest of all fucking time. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, but he held his own, and when they both dropped the ball to injuries, he picked that ball up and he ran with it. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if he ever really gave the ball back to either one of them. Um, I think he was that that Steve Young behind Joe Montana at that point. I think Rock, I think Rock and Austin were Montana. Mm. He was Young, just waiting, 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 and when. Montana finally fell out. He went to the Super Bowl, baby, and won. Facts. And and for you, you kids out there, you got to look that up. Allison, you too. <laughs> start 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 with San Francisco 49ers. Allison, hmm. what do you think of Triple H? I think Tread lightly. that. I'm not going to say anything bad. (laughs) I think what the direction that he is taking now with creative is moving in a good direction. There are some things he could be doing better as far as like the women goes, but like for being thrown in, I think he's doing an amazing job. Um, (laughs) (coughs) sorry. Um, you know, the one of the very first couple of matches, like, I watched, like, the, when we started doing this was his, um, you know, the series with him and Foley. You had me watch uh, the street match and a couple others. They had a, they have a cage match. Do they have a cage match? Who? Foley and Triple H. Yeah, they had the big hell in a summit yeah, in yeah, yeah. 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I think that he... He's done a lot on 
like in front of the camera and behind the camera for the company. Um, I think, you know, some of the things that he did to China were not necessarily um, the best things he could have done. Um, you know. But that's not professional. That's personal. Right. I'm just talking about him, like, as a human and and his career, too. Like, because he was part of that. Like, he brought her in and then, like, you know, he he hasn't done anything to preserve her legacy. Like, that's the thing. Like, he, you know, he's the guy now. Like, he. That's not his job to preserve her legacy. Like, I, no, like, but... I, under, I understand what you're saying about him bringing her in. But also, to a certain extent, that's on the company. That's not on. No, 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 I know it's on the company, but, you know, he could do a little bit more to maybe be like, hey, she deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. She is in the Hall of Fame, and she was on the video game that year. And did y'all see some of the shit she was doing after that? Like, regardless of how they did her, like, which, in his defense, he kind of had to because his ex, his new girlfriend and her dad ran the company they were in. But also, she went on a drug-fueled tirade filmed a bunch of porn, then got with his best friend and filmed some porn and shit, too. So it's like, I, I understand that he, he shit on her. Like, there's no way around that. Like, he did. But she also did some pretty stupid shit to make it easy for him to shit right, on her. Right, but X-Pac did those same things with her and... Bros before hoes, bro. But I'm just yeah. saying, like... <laughs> they had a bad breakup, but she went off the rails and mm-hmm. in, in a publicly traded company... She went off the rails, so she ruined her own name. And again, they did bring her back for the Hall of Fame for the DX induction, and she was on the video game for the first time. So, I, I think I think time healed the wounds. But you know, I've I've been in a breakup or two, and I usually don't. Or twelve thousand. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I I would I've shit on people too, and then years later, hey, you know what? Now we're friends. Agreed. Well, uh, moving right along with Mr. H. Uh, Bobby, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, He was trained by Killer Kowalski. He debuted in 92 in the New England Wrestling Federation. Uh, Then he signed with WCW in 93 as Tara Rising against Keith Cole. Saturday night, main event. Uh, 94, he made... uh, the shift to John Paul Levesque, and that's where he kind of started adapting that aristocrat model. WCW wasn't the best example of it. Um, do either of you have any major talking points? He worked with the Nasty Boys and St- uh, William Regal, Alex Wright. Like he worked some names when he was in WCW. Uh, do you guys agree that Paul Levesque, Tara Rising? isn't the same person as Triple H. This is who, this is like saying Texas Red is the Undertaker. You know I didn't I mean? really, I didn't become aware of him, honestly, until he made it to WWE. So, like, the WCW stuff, like, I don't really, like, I went back and watched some of it and know it, but it's like, to me, that should, he doesn't, he didn't exist until he got to WWE. I guess that's what I'm saying. Bobby, do you think that's, the, you could use that analogy? Like, this is, this is uh, Mark Calloway before he got signed by WCW. Right. Or, uh, you know, became one of the skyscrapers or whatever. Um, when he was, you know, Texas Red and all of that. When he was wearing the mask and then he lost the mask and had the long red hair. You know, getting beat up by Bruiser Brody as a rookie. Uh, do you think this is kind of Triple H's Texas Red? 
do you think this is that part of his career where it's like this really wasn't the same guy this was just the early version of him breaking into the business yeah like i believe that um I did see the skyscrapers, so I, I was aware of Mark Callis back then. Yeah, um, me, Mark Callis. Yeah, me, Mark Callis back then. Um, I didn't. I didn't really know. Like, I wasn't. I think a big, big fan of WCW in '94, '97, uh, up till the NWO started again. Um, so I wasn't aware of Triple H. I wasn't aware of Terror Rising. I wasn't, you know, aware of any of that stuff. To me, um, I would think that Triple H probably looks at this without talking to him. Just like Cody Rhodes described uh, himself, uh, would you what what note would you give yourself at you know 19 years old or you know when you debuted? I think Triple H would do the exact same path because he did meet Stephen Regal, um, he became friends with Stephen Regal, um, and that's you know a partnership that's lasted a long time. The whole reason why even Regal is coming back as a VP or is back as a VP now with WWE. So these were the building blocks of the original, you know, Hunter Hearst Helmsley character. And it's a character that would have worked in probably the eighties and probably would have worked in that very early nineties thing. Like he was doing. And he was at that tail end of those characters that weren't based on who you really are. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he, he brought WWF. It didn't, it did work. Uh, he was an intercontinental champion, I believe, uh, yep. during that, yeah, that original run. Um, so it worked to a point. Um, it just, he realized like, you know, like everybody realizes nowadays is you take, you take your um, actual, you know, personification of yourself and you dial it up to 10 and that's who you are. So yeah, he apparently is a guy that likes to tell jokes. You've seen him, um, you know, at the hall of fames, pretty much roasting anybody that he uh, inducts uh, from Shawn Michaels to Ric Flair to Mike Tyson. Um, so yeah, he's, he's let, once he let his personality flow, um, I think this was a basis for him to learn what a hard camera was and learn how to get a personality over. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I totally would forget about terrorizing and the aristocrat from WCW. Allison, 94, 93. <laughs> what was eight year old and nine year old Allison doing? Did, did you even know world championship wrestling was a thing? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I did. I did only because I super wanted um, a wrestling bunny, you know, like the little stuffed. And Those my are mom from went, WBF. Huh? Those are from WBF. Whatever. But she knew wrestling was a thing, I guess is the better question. Like, were uh, you even aware of pro wrestling yet? Yes, but I wasn't allowed to watch it. You weren't allowed to watch it? Was it too violent? Yeah, my mom isn't a huge fan of, like, wrestling or boxing or, like, things where people beat each other up. Like, I was allowed to watch South Park, but I couldn't watch wrestling. That's hilarious. Yeah, like, we watched The Simpsons together as a family, but uh, I could not watch wrestling. Did somebody have the remote in their hand hit mute? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, Triple H made the jump uh, in 1995. To world championship wrestling and we'll we'll call a spade a spade because pretty much from 1995 through 2019 when he had his last match he worked exclusively with the connecticut based promotion mm -hmm. um so looking at where he was at in 95 he debuted uh it was a wwf superstars taping 
He pinned Sonny Rogers in a two-minute and 20-second squash match. Do either of you even know who Sonny Rogers is? Hell no. You mean the game changer, Sonny Rogers? Yeah. Of course Bobby knows. I, I'm, I was just kidding. I made up the moniker. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm looking. I don't know. I didn't know if it was or not. No, it was the lifeguard and Mr. TV guide, uh, Sonny Rogers. <laughs> He debuted in 1980. He had 25 entering ex- in 25 years of entering experience. That means he wrestled until 2005. Um, let's see where he wrestled in his matches. Sonny Rogers wrestled in WW- WWF and WCW pretty much through the 90s, 80s and 90s. Enhancement talent. Yeah, he was. He wrestled in the AWA too, Bobby. Um, so uh, this is a the special episode about Sonny Rogers. We're going to talk about his. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, Triple H in the uh, when he transitioned over in the mid '90s, he transitioned. He became Hunter Helst Helmsley. He kind of kept all of the the aristocrat stuff from the the Paul Levesque stuff. But uh, when he transitioned over to WWF, he kind of got that that WWF identity crisis. They took it. They kind of fine tuned it. They turned it up to eleven. Uh, like Bobby keeps saying. And uh, what did you guys think when he transitioned over? Uh, in that pre-DX 95-96 range, he starts looking at IC championships. He's starting to kind of build some uh, stuff. He worked a lot with Doink the Clown and Duke, Str- mm-hmm. Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Uh, this is in the time in WWF when everybody had a job. There was a garbage man. There was a repo man. Uh, there was a clown. You know, like, uh, what did you guys think about mid-90s Hunter Hairstelmsley, the beginning of who Triple H became? This is where I fell in love with him because, like you said, and especially at that time, like, that was the land of giants. Like, everybody there was 6'4", 6'5", two, what, 220 to fucking 300 pounds. Like, I think he can't – I think he learned it, – it, it set him up for for becoming a brawler and a cerebral assassin we learned later on in his career. And, like I said, him – that the match with – the slot match with uh, Henry O'Gawin is, like, where I completely like fell in love with him, where I knew that this was my favorite wrestler, and he's been my favorite wrestler ever since that match. I didn't have a lot of thoughts on him. Um, I guess looking back, uh, it's impressive that uh, Sable was his valet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you skipped over the Ultimate Warrior debacle at WrestleMania. Yeah. Then he lose the Intercontinental. That's what he lost the Intercontinental Intercontinental title too. Was Warrior, wasn't it? Am I wrong? No, I, no, I don't think he lost the Warrior. I don't think he lost the belt to him. Although, I could be wrong. Will's the Triple H. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Triple H got his first Intercontinental title run in October of '97. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I haven't got the... there yet. That's my next question: Is when he starts winning gold is in '97? Do you want to go ahead and segue into that because he won the Intercontinental Championship in February of that year? Um, let me pull some information up about his reigns as uh, Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, that was a good belt for him at that point in time, like where he was. Like, mm-hmm. he was definitely a mid-card guy. He was a good worker. Yep. Um, he, had, he had a good gimmick. So, you know, he, you know, better than the Honky Tonk Man, maybe not as good as Ricky Steamboat um, type, of, type of level. And, you know, this was also the time and period where, WWF was looking for their next big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and their mid card, their mid card was really everybody because there was no true main eventer at that point in time. Right. You, know, you had Sean, you had Brett, 
But again, there was no true main eventer at that time. Uh, he beat Mark Miro for his first Intercontinental Championship ring. Uh, so that kind of tells you like the names that were floating around at that point in WWF history. Where there were a lot of Hall of Famers that were you could say easily say were in the twilight of their career at that point, mm-hmm. and that next generation were getting ready to come up because the people. He lost the Intercontinental title 115 days later to Rocky Maivia, which was The Rock's first Intercontinental reign when he still came out as the island boy. You know what I'm talking about? Like the longer hair, curly hair, Curly, top hair. Yeah. With the teeth on his his fucking uh, costume when he ran out. Yeah. Like, that's where we're at character-wise here. Uh, He was the 41st Intercontinental champion. Um... Of all of his title reigns, uh, this is the one belt. He uh, he held it for 115 total days. Do you think at all with Triple H that the IC title is synonymous with him, or do you automatically think world title with Triple H? I think the big gold belt. Yeah, that's what I was, Same for me. Uh, he held the big gold belt for 200, and his longest reign uh, was 210 days with the big gold belt. That was yeah, an 08. It's just more about the circumstances and Eric Bischoff coming back and handing him to it and everything. So, like, that, that's why I always think, like, when I think of Triple H, I think of him with the big old belt. Uh, Bobby, this one's for you. Uh, interesting fact about Triple H was he was in WWF and did stories and programs for three years uh, before he got his first heavyweight title match. Or his first heavyweight title uh, reign, rather. I'm sorry. Uh, do you think this is the kind of... I guess it's going to be kind of a loaded question. Uh, the prestige of the Intercontinental title and the European titles, because he had uh, two Intercontinental title reigns and two European title reigns before he won his first heavyweight title. Do you think they used the mid-card titles to build Hunter up to be ready in 98 to win his first world title? Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels... Hulk, or I'm sorry, not Hulk Hogan, um, Randy Savage, um, all same path. Uh, mm-hmm. Mid-card titles, uh, long tenures with the company uh, before they felt comfortable enough to give him the title. Like, I felt like um, with Hunter, the same thing. He had to earn Vince's respect and get there. It wasn't like bringing in Hogan from the AWA and giving him the belt the next day. It wasn't like you know, bringing in Goldberg, giving him the belt the next day. Uh, Warrior, I think, Warrior, I think, did it for a year, year and a half before he got it. Um, so I don't think Vince was necessarily warm on him at the beginning. He was just another guy that he bought and brought over. Uh, but he proved himself to Vince and he proved himself to the fans that he deserves this. Um, and I hate, I hate saying deserves this, but he... He earned it. He definitely Thank earned it. He earned it. And to me too, I think that I, I think that the European title with Triple H more not through necessarily the Intercontinental title, because that European title is kind of like where I mean, DX pretty much hounded it and protected it between the three of them, passing it kind of back and forth during that <laughs> first initial run with the three of them. So like, and then even X Pac had a great run with it. Like it seemed right. it seemed to stay in DX for a long time. Yeah, and what. What a classic match, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, for that European championship on Raw. <laughs> um, Allison. Perfect match. Powerhouse match. 12-year-old Allison. Do you know who Triple H is yet? No. 
You still don't know who Triple H still is? Still don't know who Triple H is, yeah. <laughs> Listen, Cutter, 30 Cutter year old, Cameron. 30 year old Allison knew who Triple H was. Well, look, I have it written down to ask you every time we get to a new point of his career if, you know, 8 year old Allison didn't know, 12 year old Allison doesn't know. You see, we'll, we'll eventually get there to where you'll be like, 36 year old Allison knows this Triple H. I <laughs> did not. The first wrestling. Anything that I watched was the Rumble. I don't even know what. I, I think it was. It's going to be WrestleMania 2015. Would have been. Mm, no, that's a lie. Uh, when did I start dating? Uh, 13. Okay, WrestleMania 2012. Would have been the first time <clears throat> I ever watched wrestling. Okay. That's not as bad as I thought. I'm just really talking shit. I know. Right. Um, but thank you. But I didn't know, like, the only person that I knew was The Rock. <laughs> uh, you'll know about this next part because Bobby brought it up. Ariane has mentioned it a little bit. Uh, we get to kind of that curtain call range. Uh, we start looking at the formation of DX. Uh, when Russo was on the show, uh, feel free to check that interview out on our YouTube at BotchBotsAndChairShots.com. Uh, Russo said that he got the idea from DX from the creative writers who were naming the pay-per-views at that time. And it was uh, In Your House Degeneration X or whatever was the, the pay-per-view. Um Arguably one of the most, like, decisive stables or factions. One of the most influential things in pop culture. It bridged the gap. Uh, Ariane, I'm going to let you tee off with this one. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, uh, Degeneration X. Pretty much any incarnation of them. Uh, because they, were, they played a part in the 90s. Then they left, mm -hmm. Shawn Michaels left. Triple H continued to go. Then they came back in the 2000s. Uh, just DX as a whole. You can't talk about Triple H without bringing him up. Uh, what do you think about him? Uh, they shaped and molded my life as a middle schooler and high school. Uh, got me hundreds of detentions for telling people to <laughs> suck it. Um, yeah, I don't think... Like, my wrestling fandom is, like, shaped by Triple H and Shawn Michaels and DX. Like, that's, that's literally what locked me in. Like for life, like I've like most people watch wrestling and they drop out like middle school, high school because it's not cool anymore. Like I never fucking stopped. And Triple H is a huge part of that and why. And even his uh, progression of taking over DMX saying Sean dropped the ball and then bringing in the New Age Outlaws and Xbox and all that. Like I felt that way because I went to a new school and everything. I had to regroup and build a new group of friends and shit. Like I just felt like Triple H and like so. Fuck y'all, suck it. I'm starting all over. I got a new squad now. <laughs> Bobby. You're I like how Art split in the four life. Um, because NWO were the originals in this. Like, yeah, the click the click happened, but nobody knew what the click was right. until later on. Um, so I think DX answered the NWO perfectly. Mm -hmm. uh, Sean and okay. Hunter had, I think, a lot more freedom on USA than what they did on TBS. And also, they had the creative insight um, to do it. I will say this is where Hulk Hogan handicapped the NWO 
because he was very old school pro wrestling. And, you know, I think that um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash probably would have done more of the uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels stuff if Hogan wasn't part of the group. Right. Um, But I will say when I started, this is when I started like going back and forth between the two channels and Mm -hmm. uh, watching and seeing what they were doing. Um, Man, it was, it was cool. Like it was disrespectful, which, Crazy enough, I like that kind of stuff. No, um, not you, would have Bobby. never guessed. I know the the crotch chops. You know, you could see on both. Um, now you understood because I don't think DX DX didn't really put out as many signs to the NWO as what the NWO put out to DX. Mm-hmm. And I felt like when Nash and Hall would, and later on Waltman would say, you know, hey Sean, hey Triple H, blah blah blah. Um, I was like, man, I was like, why am I not watching that show? when these guys are shouting them out every week and then I'd watch that show and I legitimately, I can't remember a time RN, you might be able to correct me. I don't remember a time that DX really shouted out NWO. Like I remember seeing a picture of Sean wearing NWO shirt once, but that wasn't on TV. No, they would just reference the click and everything, but we didn't know who the fuck the click was. So it didn't really point back to razor and uh, Kevin Nash. So, yeah, I think they did one time, maybe at a pay per view. I think it was they may have shouted them out because they were in the same town, and I think they may they may have said something. I could be wrong. I mean, because like shit, that was twenty something years ago. But like, right. I think that a lot of it was that they felt, I don't want to say betrayed, but I think that they felt that they should have stayed. So like, yeah, you're definitely right. They definitely didn't. And not to mention coming back off where Triple H had to deal with after the curtain call and everything. Anyway, so he's like, fuck those guys. They don't exist. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think Triple H might have held the grudge. Like, I don't think Sean did, but Sean was yeah. also out of mind and out of right. spirit at the time. So, and the uh, world champ at the time, so it didn't fucking matter. Like, you're not going to punish the world champ. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It was it was definitely an interesting time. I think DX, um, I, I didn't really, like, I've experienced the Sean and Triple H first DX, like, through, like, video and, like, you know, be- like, backlog. Mm. The group... I thought was amazing. Like it was comedy. It was fun. Um, you know, the, the stuff they did, you know, with the rock and the nation of domination, um, you know, nowadays I'm pretty sure that's looked as, you know, racist. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But, you know, looking back, you know, it, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's an interesting time. I, I, the Sean and triple H things that they did later on, I don't think was as entertaining as what the group, DX was. I hated it. The the PG era DX with the fucking glow sticks and shit and everything. Like, I hated it. Like that was probably the that was probably the first time in my Triple H fan and I was like, all right, I'm turning this shit off. And how they've never heard anybody throwing those freaking glow sticks out. Like, literally, have they the literally not busted somebody in the eye? Yeah, yeah. And um, and I gotta tell you, like, and I know, well, this might be skipping ahead. I'm tired of the reunions. Facts. Like. We just had the whatever thirty year the 25th. we're all triple X, but, oh, yeah, but just yeah we we just had we just had DX twenty five like what two years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, last year. Yeah, it was it was yeah I was gonna say it was closer than that. This it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was okay. Last... I just want to point out how Xbox looks like a miniature version of Triple H now. He does. Do you think they've worn off the shine? He's, he's have they worn off the shine by bringing them back every year? Yes, it's fucking over. And then the, you can't even bring them back complete. That's my thing is too is like, if you can't bring back the entire DX, it's not fucking DX. I'm sorry, it's not. Like, 
Billy Gunn's not there, so that's not DX to me. I'm never gonna, right. I'm never gonna accept it, and I'm kind of sick of it because, like I said, they don't, they're not that version of DX when they come back. They're still the Shawn Michaels and Triple H second version of DX with the kitty shit and the uh, PG jokes and stuff and everything like that. Like I don't want to see that shit. Like I genuinely hate it and dislike it wholeheartedly. And yeah. like I said, I'm a stand. So, what and what what happened to poor Tory? That's part of yeah. Right. Well, yeah, and uh, Mark Mira was as well at one point, right? What? Who was the Who was the? Uh... It was Rick Rude. Rick Rude. I'm sorry, not Mark Mira. You're right. I'm sorry. It was Rick Rude. Yeah. The, oh, look at me one... with the motherfucking uh, history shit. Let's go. Look at oh, yeah. go. You know exactly what I was talking about, though. He used to walk yeah, around with the briefcase and the suit and shit. Yeah. He was their uh, like their lawyer or whatever. Uh, uh, he was like more like their like uh... liaison. Yeah, something like that. I think that's what it was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, but yeah, that was really kind of the, bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, bodyguard before China, right? No, it was actually with China too. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because this because that's when Rude got pissed off about Bret Hart and ended up on both uh, channels. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then he, they pa- were, he passed away shortly after that too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like I think a year, like within a year. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, then they they replaced him with Harvey Whippleman on Raw. Mm-hmm. And said, "Well, that was easy, right?" <laughs> um, then you look at his—he had the first title reign. Uh, he ran through the end of the Attitude Era into the early two thousands. Um, I don't—I'm not going to bypass that time, but we've kind of—we've—we've uh, we've spent so much time talking between DX and Shawn Michaels and some of those feuds. Like we pretty much blew through those title reigns um, in the two thousand one area. Uh, there were a few things that happened. Uh, the 2001, 2000, 2001, 02 range. Um, you get the first Elimination Chamber match. RVD, Shawn Michaels, Booker T, Triple H. Um, I, who else was in that match? I, I don't have that list in front of me. Uh, when he did this match, he got hurt by bro, uh, RVD. The five-star mm-hmm. frog splash to his throat. Pretty much like all but collapsed his larynx. He finished the match. Uh, Shawn Michaels ended up winning. Um, so now that we've transitioned after the Triple H uh, as the DX Triple H, we've kind of moved into the game now. Yes, sir. Um, this that version, was a great song. Yeah. The Motorhead. Uh, so yeah. we're, we're starting to get into the Motorhead Triple H. Do you guys think this is when he finally came out as him? He finally got all the gears to click, everything hit. Because as a fan... In the early 2000s, this is when I think Triple H was at his best. Yeah, this is when we got main event world champion carry the company Triple H. Like, to me, this is the part where he's cemented his legacy because the DX shit is always going to be there, but it's only because of the shenanigans and the rotating parts of it. But, like, this is where he cemented himself as a bona fide Hall of Famer to me in these runs. And then that 2000. But Royal Rumble, when he came back, the cheer that he got, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, that was from the quad injury. Yeah, yeah. That was was a ridiculous return. That was Road Warrior Pops right there, bro. Like, nobody ever seen that shit. Like, the leather jackets with the jean jacket on top and shit and everything like that. Like, this is this is where my favorite where my favorite wrestler is the fucking man and and Mary and Stephanie. And like I said, that this is when we kind of fell off with Rock and Austin, like. Bobby was saying that this is where he would pick up the baton and keep fucking running every time one of them got hurt or did something or went home, took their ball and went home. Triple H was always the the backup that came in 
and scored the game winning touchdown for him. And to me, it's Seaman in his place in WWE history. It's Seaman in his place as a as a Hall of Famer. And like this, this this run he had, what was it? Probably like from like 2001 to like maybe 2007. Like it was fucking lights out. Yeah, and I think this is even like pre Motorhead. Like this is the the green one with the like it was like some yeah like tech yeah yeah it was like a techno triple h yeah like like yeah it was, it was, it was the original one was uh the guys that did the dx like it comes on like it, it says something like is this on <laughs> see i know my shit that's my guy and yeah the chain like, mail <laughs> the chain mail fucking poncho yep and the fact that <laughs> the injuries that he's overcome and the show must go on mentality that he has like dude like that, you know, he he is so much like Vince McMahon in all the good ways. Right. Like, you know, Vince Vince tears two quads. He's still yelling at referees and going crazy, you know, in the rumble. Triple H does it, you know, same thing. He finishes a match with the Chris's mm-hmm. and he's got torn quads. Like he just keeps going. Like he you can't stop the guy. When he portrayed the Terminator at that WrestleMania a couple years ago, dude, that is Paul Levesque. Like that right. is Triple H. That is what he feels with this business is no matter what happens, you got to keep going because yeah, that the was fans. The Sting Mania, right? I think so. Yeah. The the Terminator entrance that was the Sting Mania. Yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. I don't. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> um, Allison, we've made it to two thousand fifteen year old Al. <laughs> How many times did people at your school say "suck it"? A lot. Did 15 years... <laughs> I killed Bobby. Bobby's dead. One minute, one hour, 40 minutes, and 50 seconds. Killed Bobby. Did you know who Triple H was yet? 15 years old? No. Still no. Still no. Um, all right. We're going to talk about his mania entrances now. Um, we're going to time to take a break talking about title reigns and stories and matches and comebacks. <laughs> Um, when this is stuff, Al, I know you have a take on because you've in the, the last two and a half years of doing this, you've had a crash course in pro wrestling. You've watched a mm-hmm. lot of WrestleMania matches. You've seen some stuff. Um, I know you've seen the sting one where he came up in the, the Terminator suit. Um, what, what do you guys think about his mania entrances are in, uh, I'm going to let you tee off because apparently Allison legitimately killed Bobby. He just had to wander off. Again. <laughs> uh, what do you well, think about his mania entrances? Well, the one with uh, when Motorhead came out and did his theme or whatever, that that one always comes to mind. And uh, the Golden Skull one with uh, Charlotte and all them were like the whatever the hell they were dressed up as, like the goddesses or whatever behind the throne and shit. Yeah. Like I, I like he's always taking it to a next level for me. So like having them have it even before the when he went solo with them, the band that did the did the original DX theme, them coming and performing and shit and everything. So like. He's always taking it up a notch. Oh, what the Road Warrior one or whatever, with Stephanie on the back of the fucking hog and shit. Like all his mania entrances, like he, they ain't fucking around. Like he put some thought into him. Like they have some sort of meaning behind him. You can go back and look for it. Like it's fire. Bobby, do you have a favorite Triple H mania entrance? I like. Was it Mania? I'm trying to think. If it was actually Mania, like where the DX band came out. And performed in the ring. I think I might have been a Rumble, or what? It might have been a Mania in New York. Um, 
Like, are you he, talking about the '90s? That was the the '98 Rumble, wasn't it? Because that was the so, one yeah. that was all grunge, and that was the hardcore one where Cactus like, Jack. Where you changed... picked up the lead singer and like put him on his shoulders? I think that was in '98 or '99. I think that was the... Madison Square Garden too. I'm pretty. Yeah, sure. yeah, I, yeah. I knew it was the Garden, but I can't remember what it was. Um, his interests have always been like really cool. Um, yeah. you know, I I gotta. I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fan of the uh, Terminator one. I just thought there was just too much like movie buy-in and like it took away from like stings because stings sting had an entrance that made no sense whatsoever. Cause <laughs> like he sting sting had an interest like the great Muda probably should have had uh, for his last match. Um, but yeah, like most of the time triple H's interests are cool. Uh, the one with Stephanie, I liked, um, you know, you compare it to the road warriors and right away, I kind of thought of the road warriors entering with Rocco, the, the, doll that they had yeah. <laughs> um i'm trying to think like this like but stephanie looked better than that doll uh and allison no need to bring out that doll that you have that crazy looking thing you got um but yeah I, they put a lot of time they put a lot of effort into it and you know he's definitely the showman i think triple h is one of those guys if not the the best guy that balances sports entertainment with pro wrestling mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah she pulls the it, doll it's a creepy little doll. Oh, so creepy. Um, one of my favorite things about Triple H's career, I'm going to digress just a little bit uh, because I, I don't want to completely blow through it, was the two-man power trip. Yeah. Um, but before we kind of get into the, the later stages of his world title reigns and we start getting into uh, the, the last half of his career, because for that last half it was pretty much nothing, but Triple H was either in the world title reign or he wasn't on TV. Right. Like, he was pretty much in the picture. He just wasn't there at all. Um, and the fact that he was in two separate factions that were maybe top ten factions of all time. Yeah. Uh, we haven't even got to Evolution yet. Right. Um, but I wanted to hit two-man power trip before we get to the uh, the Evolution stuff. Um, two-man power trip was Austin as the heavyweight champion, Helmsley as the intercontinental champion. And at that time, they held the... Uh, the WWF World Tag Team Championships. Um, this was Hunter's first tag team title reign because um, him and Sean never held the tag titles together, which I mm. thought was fascinating. That first no, they of DX never won tag titles. Um, but this was his first title reign with Steve Austin, of all people. Um, what did you think of Triple H and Austin as the, uh, the two-man power trip? Because they were heel champions at that point, right? It was where we finally got to see like his evil side mixed with his comedic side and if he hadn't have toured like just think of where we could have gone if he hadn't have torn his quad in that match like even though it ended up being like the jumping off point for like the biggest pop of his career and like the biggest push of his career but them two together was fucking amazing like that summer was so dope because it was like i said we got it we were so used to seeing triple h like on his own doing some fucked up shit but we weren't really used to austin being that way so Austin kind of feeding off of Triple H's heel persona and Triple H kind of feeding off Austin's comedic side. Like it was a perfect marriage. Like, and I thought that it was, I, I think it was kind of ahead of his time too. Like it's, it was almost bloodline. It's like where one group has all the belts and controls everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if he hadn't have got injured, who knows where it could have been and like how much we would be talking about it differently if it had got to play itself out. Yeah, and it was short-lived, too, and it's yeah. it does a lot for Triple H to 
you know, go like because he had been the world champion at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, for him to take that big step backwards to the IC belt, which you know the IC belt, I guess, shouldn't be a step backwards. But could you imagine if they team Rock and Austin together, and you said, okay, one of you guys is the world champ, one of you guys is the IC champ? Which, like, could you see either one of their egos saying, okay, I'll be the IC champ while you're the world champ? Like, I think it says a lot to Triple H that he was willing to take that back step and be the secondary champion, um, you know, obviously equal as tag team champions, but I think it says a lot for his character and a lot for who he is because I know the McMahons famously say it, but it was best for business and it told the story. Um, And I could not see, again, I couldn't see Austin Rock. I couldn't see Hogan Savage. I couldn't see any other two major stars of an era, uh, potentially top 10 ever eras, uh, being able to say, you know what? Yeah, you take number one. I'm going to take number two. We'll be tag champs together. So kudos to both of them. And, yeah, it led into a hell of a return. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, damn you, Chris Benoit, always hurting people. <laughs> we were doing so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next I- Anti Benoit. That was anti. My uh, my next topic. It's going to be hard not to bring him up because we're going to get into Evolution, Ric Flair, Dave Batista, Triple H, Randy Orton. Uh, these guys come out. They all start winning gold, winning tag titles, winning world titles. Um, what did you guys think about Evolution? Because this would be you think DX, then the two men power trip, then Evolution. That's three incredibly powerful factions and tag teams that Triple H has continued to be a part of, where every time he pairs with somebody, they kind of go to the top. Um, do you think this was Triple H, or do you think this was the combined star power of all four men together? No, none of them were stars before Triple H. Like, there would, like none of them would have the careers they would have if he didn't handpick them for evolution. That includes Ric Flair. He was on a downslide, drunk and shit, and not really doing much. And Triple H brought him along to kind of help save his life and kind of help get him back order. And the same thing for Batista and Randy. Like, he saw Randy pissing his career away, so he decided to get take him under his wing and kind of help him. Like, he saw the potential there for Randy. And the same for Batista, too. So, like, no, there, there wasn't no – like, I, I think now we get it kind of blindsided by because they ended up becoming such great parts of the company and, like, Hall of Famers themselves. And Batista has the Marvel shit and all that. And Ric Flair's Ric Flair, but at that point in time, they were not on the map and didn't have Randy couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Batista wasn't anything, couldn't speak on the fucking mic, had a uh, was a collection box around his fucking neck, and <laughs> and Ric Flair was drinking himself, drinking the rest of it, the end of his career away, pill popping and shit. So like Triple H brought all these different pieces together to form something like it, and I don't think any of their careers would be where they were at. If Triple H didn't handpick them, I'll say I I think Flair would still be Flair. Well, I mean, I, yeah, of course Flair would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say, you know, it it took them it took them what like a year, year and a half to like really get things going because, right. like you said, our end, Randy kept getting hurt, Batista got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like every time that like it started to go, they one of those two got hurt. Um, this to me was the closest to the four horsemen that you could get. Because you could put Flair as Ole Anderson, the old veteran that was getting ready to step out. You had Triple H, obviously, in that Ric Flair role, upper comer, blah, blah, blah. Batista was that enforcer, 
Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, Barry Windham type. And then you had The Worker with Randy Orton. Like, yep. this legitimately was the closest to the original Four Horsemen I think that they have ever had. And they played the roles brilliantly. Like, Ric Flair, ego aside, he ste- and I, like we just talked about, maybe he's that guy that would step aside because he did hold the IC belt in this faction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he held the tag team titles in this faction. He did it perfectly. He helped guide these two younger guys uh, with Batista and Orton, and he was subservient to Triple H because he realized his time his time has come, your time has passed, um, and you can't see me anymore. So, yeah, so I give it up give it up to all four of them. They, they really did combine, and uh, they spoke well, and they didn't need J.J. Right. Will, how's that? I've chewed the, the tip off of it almost. Um, 18-year-old Allison. Does she know who Triple H is yet? Nope. Still no. Okay, we're, we're going to get there. <laughs> we're, we're close. We're real we're close. We're, we're getting we're there. <laughs> All right. Um, like I said, after... We all suck it. <laughs> yep. Why do, you, why do you guys keep telling me to do that? <laughs> I don't fully understand what is happening right now. Uh, through here, uh, like I said, Triple H kind of took the reins of the company. He had the big, long, historic title reign um, where he held it for almost 300 days. He had two title reigns over 200 days. Um, this is my point. I'm going to ask each one of you, uh, what is your favorite Triple H feud that you've seen the man have throughout his career? Um, I got two. I got the, uh, his original feud with Mankind, Mick Foley, when we, he was finally like branching into becoming Hunter Hearns Helmsley, Triple H. The 2000 run? Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, the Intercontinental title feud he had with The Rock when Nation of Domination versus DX. That latter match was epic. Yep. I'll tag off of that and say The Rock uh, for the IC belt. And I will go with him and Sean because it relaunched Sean Michaels into what he could have been his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, those like that match, the, the original match that like when Sean came back and he ended up hitting him over the head with the sledgehammer and everything else, like there was so much passion in that match and so much history. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like DX part three, but I really, the, I don't know. That it was a great feud. That was SummerSlam 2002, wasn't it? When they, yeah, somewhere around there. Levi Shawn Michaels. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he he wears his rest of his costume, but he wears jeans. <laughs> yeah. Like I gotta go to the rodeo after this thing. That was back when he just started being Texas Shawn Michaels. He didn't give no fucks. Uh, I think the Shawn Michaels Triple H feud was huge. Uh, the last two of them in that chamber match. I keep going back to that match because it was such a huge focal point for the company. Uh, introducing such a huge, like, game-changing event. Uh, what that became. I feel like it, it, the Elimination Chamber kind of was that next, like, ripple in gimmick matches that Hell in a Cell made. That war games made before that, that a cage match made before that. Uh, I feel like that that elimination chamber was that moment uh, that Triple H Shawn Michaels feud leading up to them having that match. 
because uh, they had that one. They were the final two. Then they ended up feuding. Triple H took the belt off of Michaels. So I think that was his best feud. Um, I do like the ladder match with him and Rock, the IC title. Bobby, you and I did a watch-along on season one way back when uh, for that match. Um, Allison, do you have a favorite Triple H match that you've seen? Um, mine is the Hell in the Cell with Foley. With the Cactus Jack match? Yeah. And it has a lot to do with, like, I know a lot of, a lot about that match because I've watched the match several times and I've also seen, like, at least three documentaries about it. Right. (laughs) And I get, I'll bet you Natty was commenting on it. Yep, she was in every single one of them. <laughs> she always is. So, like, to me, like, I really like to imagine, like, there's this story that Stephanie tells about, like, when they first got together. Like, it was, I think it, that was, this was actually before the street fight. Because which came first? The Hell in the Cell, right? Street Fight and Rumble Rumble. in Mania. So it was at the Street Fight, I think. No, it was the Hell in the Cell. When he... Bye forever. Um, (laughs) My light fell. Um, When Triple H kissed her, like, on the way to the ring, that wasn't scripted. And that Mm -hmm. was actually, like, their first kind of genuine, like, kiss. Yeah, she said she lost her shit and forgot what she was doing walking yeah. down the ring. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's a super cool match. Um, as I, like, fix my life here. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I have seen him do other things. Like, I've seen, like, some of him as, like, the authority. Because that's when, like, my um, ex-husband was watching. Um, so, yeah. But During that kiss, where, what was China's angle? <coughs> what was she doing at that time period? Was she with? She wasn't with Eddie, right? Or was she? When in the evolution stuff? No, like during that whole kiss thing, like because she's obviously backstage. Uh, that would have been two thousand. I'm not. Hold on, let me pull her stuff up. I want to say it's the Chris Jericho shit. Um, let me have you guys go ahead and jump into the the next topic with uh with Mr. H here. Um, is his role as his career came to an end, uh, in ring wise, we shifted with him into a backstage role as a booker with NXT. Um, let's start talking about NXT black and gold as we transition to our current day triple H. Uh, what did you think about his run as booker RN as NXT black and gold? It was fucking amazing. Like every, just think about all your, your main event players in the top three promotions in the U S all of them came out of that NXT. So they they were either there at some point or another. They were there from the, your Adam Cole's, Kevin, Kevin Owens, uh, Sami Zayn. I mean, <laughs> who else? Uh, Seth Rollins. Even Ro- well, I guess no. Roman Reigns is more FCW, but still, uh, Dean Ambrose. Like all these guys you think of now that are at the top of these cards, like they Triple H had some sort of impact on their career and getting them where they're at right now. Holy shit. Do you want to know what China was doing in 2002? She was wrestling with Masahiro Chono in New Japan. She wasn't even in WWE in 2002. Her last oh, wow. WWE appearance was May 20th of 01 
and she lost the women's title, and then apparently they had probably, I assume they vacated it after that because that was her last appearance in WWE. Interesting. She had a TNA appearance in 2011 with, uh, it was China and Kurt Angle versus Jeff Jarrett and Karen Jarrett. Um, but yeah, back to Triple H. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, NXT. Like I, I don't know. Like I'm not a huge fan of the NXT guys. Um, you know, I know Rollins had a little bit there. I think the guys that were there a shorter amount of times, like Owens, for example prospered better um the guys like adam cole you know he did he did well in nxt like i'm not gonna doubt him but since he's been the aew like without him being forced to work out and this kind of stuff you know he's dropped off so i guess whatever disciplines triple h introduced to him just didn't stick with him i guess what i would say um the dusty influence i think on these guys i think would mean more than what triple h's influence was yeah did he put on a good show with nxt black and gold Apparently, I never was really into it. I'm not a Champa guy. I'm not a Gargano guy. I love Champa. Uh, Are you guys four I'm, four horsewomen guys though? Oh, I love the four tri- horsewomen because that's four, Triple H too. So, yeah, the four horsewomen. Yes, like all four of them. That's what yes. I'm saying. Like he's got his hands on everything, whether you like him or whatever you feel about him. Like the top people in all the promotions came through Triple H, making a giving them a hand in their career. And giving them the start. So, like, like you said, whether you're a Champa guy or not, but you're definitely a fucking Becky or a Sasha or a Charlotte or a, <laughs> or a Bailey fan. And guess who? Guess who put them on the map? Yeah. Okay. Triple H. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, yeah, Triple H. Triple H has definitely influenced pro wrestling and the future of pro wrestling, um, probably as much as uh, Vince has, um, and probably more hands on right. to where I would I would equate it more to like a Pat Patterson role. Like right, he was, exactly. and when people go back, you know, when, you know, in 20, you know, 50, when people are doing, you know, whatever space casts and all that, they're <laughs> going to be talking about triple H and Pat Patterson will be a distant memory. So, right. yeah. So yeah, triple H has definitely influenced professional wrestling, sports entertainment, um, with his hands-on approach. The, when I say hands-on different than Vince McMahon's hands-on. Yeah, not Vince hands-on. <laughs> yeah. Clever Bobby. Uh, Al, you said you had some uh, Triple H trivia or facts or something for us? I do have some facts. Let's do a couple minutes of that before we do our sign-offs and go home. We we, we did it, guys. We made it. I'm we already all home. all the damage we could do in one night. <laughs> um, so this is just like random strange facts about uh, Triple H. I'm not going to go into the terrorizing thing because we always already talked <laughs> about that. Um, he had the Undertaker's help to help him get a date with Stephanie. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yes, he asked. Yeah, he asked permission. He asked Taker for permission to date Stephanie. Yeah, he no, he wanted Taker to talk to Vince for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this we know he was the first world heavyweight champion. Um. He. Ever. Huh. Than ever. Ever. Yeah. Uh, Triple He got WWE sued for a botch. From who? How'd that happen? It says, WWE and its superstars getting sued has been a common thing. Hunter was part of the, of the fight where he injured Marty Garner 
with his finishing maneuver pedigree as Garner misjudged the move for a doable underhook suplex. Garner was silenced for three months as he later went on to sue Hunter and WWE, which was eventually settled out of court. Mm. Yeah, I don't know that one. No. I taught y'all something? Yes. Wow. Um, and apparently he's the most hated wrestler. Triple H is? Mm-hmm. I can see that. Triple H, besides being a sound performer, was also one of the top heels in the company. As a heel, one is bound to get hate from the crowd. In the same light, Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine used used the organized used to used to used to I can talk organize <laughs> the most hated wrestle award annually surprisingly Hunter won the award five times which Let's is also on. the most by any wrestler in WWE history really I thought Flair won it like um, maybe Flair won it like four um, and but then... I'd say yeah I'd say something with Triple H Dude, this is the guy that literally lied to Bret Hart's wife in a hallway after the Montreal Screwjob. Like, he held that, like, like stern. Like, yeah, Sean did one thing, but Hunter knew about the whole thing and is getting confronted by Bret Hart's wife and just like, no, I have no idea. I swear to God, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, this guy is all about business. What's best for business always? Yeah. Oh, also, to what we were talking about earlier, uh, the DX 25th anniversary was October 12th, so less than six months ago. Yeah, I knew it was. I knew it wasn't that far. That far. So it was last year. So literally six months. So it was less than a year ago, and they brought him back out as a reunion less than a year later. All right, guys, we did it. We made it. We did all the damage we could do. Um, Ariane, I appreciate you as always. You're the Devon to my Bubba Ray. I love you. Plug your stuff. Tell everybody where to find you, what you got going on with your kennel and uh, with me and Jelly Bean and Smacked Raw. Well, uh, love having you guys. Love being on the show with you guys. Uh, especially love if, when Bobby's here. I'm only coming on if Bobby's here. My, we got we to gotta do the Grumpier Old Man podcast. We got to do Thanks at least one episode. Of- Geeks and Noob Co. Uh, that's my boy Superbeard. What's up? Big shout out. Uh, thanks for the follow, guys. Sorry to cut you off, RN. No, you're good. Do your thing. This is your show. And then uh, we got Litters on the Ground, Ralph Four Kennels on Instagram or uh, Facebook. We have Frenchies, American Bullies, Toy Poodles, French Mastiffs, and Monkeys coming eventually. That is a real Can't thing. Wait that's... for the monkeys. I'm getting a fucking monkey and I'm naming them Tyson. I'm naming them. Uh, Tyson, so he can smack uh, Kyle when uh, we meet him because he keeps saying we're not getting it. And then uh, me and Jelly Bean, uh, we will be dropping. Allison got a sneak peek of it. We will be dropping the Valentine's Day video here, here in a couple of days. <laughs> she showed me that picture, and I said, literally she showed it to me, and I just said, I love RN. Just everything right. about who he is. Funny part about that, it's super thoughty, but my daughter helped us record most of the video. Like, she... Eight years old, but she is a fucking beast with the camera. Like so, and my buddy Adam, I do the videos with. Like he was damn near in tears, like how good she was at eight years old. So like, the video is going to be complete and total trash. Do not hold it against me that my daughter recorded it. <laughs> Rewind. We uh, moved to Tuesday, starting this week, coming up. So 
uh, we're getting out of everybody's hair on the on Sunday nights and everything, Thank and God. it just lined up better for uh, <laughs> lined up better for Kyle and I because we never fucking really recorded on a Sunday anyway. It was like 50-50 chance we would hit a Sunday, so but definitely go check us out on that. And uh, I'm definitely open to come back anytime you guys need me, and love being a part of the show and the team. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, time to play the game. Absolutely, we're gonna have you back on on the fifteenth. As a matter of fact, I'm about to plug that. Bobby Mac, your turn. Let's go. Oh man, let's see on TikTok. You can follow me at Yellow Shoe Guy. I'm always there doing stuff. I think I'm at sixteen point two thousand viewers uh, on our road to a hundred thousand. Uh, Twitter, you'll find me on there every now and then, uh, just saying stuff that I want to say because I say what I want. Um, I like to thank a couple of uh, people. Uh, two of my biggest fans out there, KY and Katie. Man, I appreciate you guys following me and uh, always supporting me. So uh, anytime and every time you guys want to talk, I'm here for you, brothers. And uh, RN, man, always love talking to you. Uh, you know, in fact, it might I might need this written in my contract, Will, that uh, I'm only going to appear on this show when RN's. <laughs> no, fuck you, Bobby. You show up when I tell you to. I'm the boss. <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky you show up, period. We still haven't even got your show off the ground yet. We're going to get RN, his show going. Like, like it's it's gonna, all going to happen. Me and Allison have a master plan. Yeah. RN's going to do a bomb-ass show about dogs and making music videos. It's going to be amazing. The Mean Jelly Bean Podcast. We actually have that. We've got a couple episodes, so it's called Dirty Laundry, that we've never put out. <laughs> um, I'm going to need you to do that here. I'm offering you free production duties if you'll do that. Al, can I do your shit? Can I do a Dirty Dogs podcast? Yes, we can do that too. Just get a show off the ground. Um, We are officially 22 days without either one of you being banned on TikTok. Yes, we've made it three weeks without going to TikTok jail. Good job, guys. Almost a whole I've been working a lot. I haven't really had a chance to go live a lot. What the hell do you get banned on TikTok for? I, the last time I got banned, I got banned for bullying Bobby. During what? his show, like right. in the middle of our stream, I got banned. They kicked me off they, in the middle of it. So I'm I'm the face on TikTok, and yeah. he's the... I have no idea how that happened. I don't know how I turned out to be the bad guy on TikTok. There's, there's a rated W on TikTok for him. <laughs> That's funny. That's where the whole scarf thing came from. Literally in the middle of a stream, somebody was like, Will's just playing the hill. He's just being a jerk to be a jerk. And I was like... What the fuck kind of bizarro world is this? Where and Bobby is more liked than I am. It's um, fucking amazing. And it, I played it up, played it up to a one hundred. I was like, yeah, dude. Like, why is he so mean? Yes. <laughs> How did I fucking miss that? Let's go. Um, let's see. One day, Will got so pissed off at Bobby, he literally like threw off his headset, ripped the scarf off, and like stormed <laughs> out of the room. It was just like. Oh, okay, this is happening. I was like, fuck it, I'm going to get something to drink. So I just... <laughs> <laughs> yep, um, and I got, I got more followers that day than ever. <laughs> um, I guess I should finish um, plugging my stuff. Um, so you can follow me on the Tiki Talkies and the Tweeterverse. Just a girl nine eighteen. I have 725 followers on the Tiki Talkies. We're so close to me getting to a thousand, and then I can put all of Wrestle Talk on notice. No, not really. Uh, but so I can go live with these two schmucks. Um, yeah. My weekly lie of I'm gonna do a comic. 
Um, the figures are there above Will. Uh, we've been busy, man. Like, thank you. Fuck you. Bye. <laughs> you opened the. You to clip that. It's kind of like the time that you said Luigi. Um. Anyways. <laughs> um. So yeah, follow my shit. Follow the new uh, Twitch channel if you haven't. I uh, think you super beard for calling that out. Is that yeah? I was like, who is that? Anyways, for calling that out, so we can be Twitch affiliate and do all the fun things with the Twitch affiliates. We've mm-hmm. checked all the hard boxes. The only fucking thing we got to do is get people to follow us. Now we average streams right. We've streamed way more than we need to. The only fucking problem is just grinding to fifty followers to get to affiliate. So I appreciate yeah. that as well, Super Beard. That's it. Make sure make sure everybody follows River City Radio. Uh, on Twitch because that's where we're at and that's where you're going to find us. And Allison, I've got a quick question. I know Will's been doing this whole trivia thing with you all night long, age, age, age. At what age, this is a Triple H question, by the way, at what age did the guys finally stop saying to you, suck it? <laughs> I'll let you know when it happens. Ah, let's go. <laughs> you're welcome. Is it my turn? Yep. All right, my shout outs for the week. Uh, since my boys showed up in the chat, this is perfect timing. Uh, follow all of my guys and gals over at Panda Wrestling Company. That's going to be Jaxbo89, everybody's favorite ginger ninja. That's going to be Dad Hat Wrestling, Self Bet Wrestling, Bree Stout, and my boy Superbeard. Me and Superbeard are super hyped. There's a joint collaboration and works between uh, Botchbots and Share Shots and the Panda Wrestling Company, where me and Superbeard are going to be doing a uh, a show that's going to be very Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp. Uh, he's a he's a previous worker in the business. I spent time in the ring, and I'm the the cocky, arrogant journalist who thinks he knows a business that he was never a part of. Um, so it's going to be very much like Mark versus wrestler. And I'm super fucking hyped for that. Uh, follow the boys at world elite podcast, Marcus and Dylan on Tuesday night. We've got the stream coming up where we're going to be breaking down WrestleMania three. And we know how hard I mark out for, uh, Ricky, the dragon and Macho man, Randy Savage follow mm-hmm. all the creation conversation people. That's smacking it raw at M A T T R I D D E R. Matt Ritter, S E S Vince, Katie Rasslin, thirteen, and my boy Travis Pointer, Lord Cusselot. Uh, follow Ben Buster Podcast. We're doing a breakdown this week of Ready to Rumble. Uh, follow all my boys. We are also thank you Matt Ward Games for the follow. Uh, we are also super hyped to announce uh, the giveaway winner was drawn right before we went on air, so we would know who it was. And our boy. Justin Bundy, wrestling fan for life. Let's go, baby! He's going to win the uh, the framed uh, Ric Flair picture. Uh, so I think that gives me everything. Um, I really appreciate it, Aaron. I love the Thank hell you. out of you. You're it. my boy. Uh, we'll see you on the 15th for the Black History Month special where we uh, talk about people of color who changed and revolutionized pro wrestling. Joining us that night is... Uh, Invictus Pro Wrestler, AEW Dark Wrestler, uh, Limitless Wrestler, PWI Top 500, Jay Bougie, uh, Tyreek from Young Kings Wrestling, and RN from The Rewind will be there for that one, so that'll be a blast. Uh, Allison, uh, Bobby Mack, I love the shit out of you guys. RN, I love you guys. Love you too, bro. I love coming on. Let me know. I can't wait for uh, the Black History Show. Like, I appreciate you guys. I'm not playing, Bobby. We got to get this show jumping, grumpy old man. We got to do it. Yeah, we do. I'm gonna make a graphic this week. 
Well, now as we close another episode of Box Files and Share Shots, I want to take a minute. Thank you for listening. Remind you to go wherever you do anything on the internet. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling me how great I am or how terrible Bobby is. Either way, it helps the algorithm and it helps find <laughs> new listeners. If you feel really generous and be one of the VIP people, head over to Patreon.com and donate to the Rivet City Radio Podcast Network. That's a mouthful. You get some fantastic swag. We get some fantastic guests. It's a win-win for the Devon to my Bubba Ray RN, for the LSU guy Bobby Mack, and for the boss bitch Miss Allison Siegel. I am the Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people.